Welcome to Leaving a Legacy, a podcast focusing on the legacy format and the New England magic experience with your host, Adrian. I, and I think Tin Fins is just, um, it could, maybe it's crack. And Jerry. I'm going to say two things to you right now, and they're going to contradict each other. Now we take you to the Red Room, where round one pairings have been posted. Hey guys, you're listening to Leaving a Legacy, episode number 15. Welcome. Uh, I'm here with... Oh, man, I I messed it up. up. No, that was my fault. That was my fault. (laughs) Cut. Cut. No No one ever likes the first take anyways. (laughs) You know what? It was was my... I'm rusty, so I was like... I was going to be like, uh, welcome to episode 15. And then I forgot. I'm like, oh, you're supposed to introduce your co-host. And so like, I waited like, like three seconds. And then I was like, oh, I'm here with. <laughs> oh man. So yeah, uh, I'm Jonathan Medina. I know, uh, the magic community doesn't remember me and that's okay. But, um, you're going to get to know me afresh tonight. And I'm here with Adrian. How's everybody doing? And Jerry. The blunderbuss. <laughs> How's everyone doing? <laughs> oh wait, I thought it was Jerry Thompson that was on this podcast. Yeah, I get that a lot. I get that oh, a lot. Yeah. I gotta I, go, guys. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't have the pull. <laughs> it's pretty exciting. You have like a fresh start. You get to like reintroduce yourself to the community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe this time I'll pick not to be a scumbag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would go with Ninja. I mean, if yeah. I had to reintroduce myself, Ninja would be the way I went. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. Let's let's let the audience decide, you know? We'll just, at the end of the podcast, we'll let them decide what I reintroduce myself as. <laughs> but it is, a, it, is a good, it is a good thing to be uh, reborn, you know? So, mm, so here nice. I am. Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Uh, well, a little bit of a history lesson uh, for the listeners who actually don't know you, which I'd be shocked if, if people don't, because personally, I myself would not be here right now if not for you, Mr. Medina. Uh, first podcast I ever listened to, like not just Magic Podcast, just any podcast ever, was the A-Team. And listening to you guys, you know, KYT, Jay Bush, Scotty Mac, uh, your, your weekly banter definitely inspired me to, to get more in depth in the podcast community. So I tip my hat to you, sir. Wow. Well, I'm feeling a lot of pressure right now. <laughs> yeah. That's There's a lot do. to we live up to. <laughs> build you up and then we're going to knock you down over the next hour. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that part. <laughs> uh, wow. So this, um, Medina, you're joining us tonight. I think, uh, we can expect some conversation about God. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And uh, I want to I want to balance a little bit as far as um, you know. Of course, I'm a, a huge Crazy Talk fan, and uh, you know a lot of respect. Any, but the um, I don't know if the, if you've ever heard it put this way. I've always I've always heard it put this way. Anyway, uh, what ego stands for? Is, no, no, I don't know. It's uh, it's for, for me I've, as I've been raised a little bit. It stands for easing God out. Uh, that's uh, that's a good uh, I think that's a good uh, a good way to put it yeah so as as my and and for me it's usually more of a um, it's like a self-will type thing so I want to balance that out 
I got a lot of respect for you, but I don't want to float your ego too much because I know you uh, you want to stay closer connected to your big guy upstairs. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think I think for a lot of people who are listening, they're like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" Uh, <laughs> yeah, we I thought this was a that. legacy. <laughs> it was just yeah. like. It was like, welcome to Leaving a Legacy, the magic podcast. <laughs> so we're going to be talking a lot about God tonight, right? And it's like, what? what, what is so yeah, if we didn't lose you, <laughs> if we didn't yeah. lose you in the first, uh, in the first five minutes here, uh, I think, uh, what, I think what Adrian and Jerry are ready for is, uh, if you ever, if you see my Twitter account now, uh, I talk a lot about, uh, about God, I talk a lot about scripture, and so they, they know that it's something that's super important to me in my life, mm-hmm. and um, it's kind of a new, it's something that has kind of f- freshly fallen on me. I used to, I mean, I used to practice Christianity, um, or supposedly practice, we can get into that if you want, yeah. but, um, uh, but like, I used to kind of do that. Uh, but I don't feel like I really ever got it until recently. And so, so recently that's kind of, uh, for you guys that are kind of like, what, what's going on? Uh, they're, they're expecting that, that, you know, we're going to talk about those things. Uh, my attitude here is like, I also don't want to, uh, just come on and hijack your podcast right. and be like, all right, guys, I know you like magic, but let's talk about the Lord. <laughs> uh, the beautiful thing about Legacy is being an eternal format, it's always there. It's not, you know, rapidly changing. So rest assured, guys, we're going to talk about some Legacy towards the end. Oh, uh, towards the beginning and towards the middle. Yeah, toward, it's going to be scattered in there. But we just want to let let you guys know up front that this is going to be a more easygoing, laid-back podcast where we're going to dive into some other issues. Um, yeah, I'd like, I'd like to talk a lot about just, um, I mean, just life in general and, and, yeah. and stuff like that. We don't, we don't really... Uh, not that I'm saying we don't have to talk about God, but for me, <laughs> life life is about God. So, like talking about life is is the same thing to me. Right. And, and you are you are you are right about the legacy format. I I actually did some. Um, I like to get prepared for the podcast that I that I get on. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And so I I read a bunch of top eight lists, and I looked at the spoiler. And you know what? To be honest, not much has changed. I haven't played. You know. I haven't played competitive magic for over a year. It's probably been like a year and a half. And, uh, and, and not much has changed. So, yeah. So, uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about you? Um, you know, or what, what region of the country are you in? Uh, or, you know, what, what are you doing with your life now? Okay. All right. So right now I'm in Ohio. Um, I used to live in Vermont and I think that's kind of what Adrian was talking about. Like, this is a, this is a, the New England magic experience. Yeah, I, I was trying to think of the, the words you guys used to explain it. Um, yeah, this is like a New England magic podcast. And um, and I actually started playing magic in Vermont. Was um, it in Burlington? No, no, it wasn't. But I, I went to Burlington. There was Are you talking about quarterstaff games in Burlington? I think so. My, uh, oh, I love that place. My wife brought me up to a timeshare up in Stowe, and I ended up taking an hour ride over to a magic store up <laughs> <by> that way. <laughs> Did they have like? Did you go upstairs? Like yes, you I went in? upstairs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's quarter staff. Um, that's quarter staff games, and um, so that's where I started playing Magic. Um, in in Vermont, and it was funny because it happened. I don't I don't know if it's funny, but the interesting thing for me is it happened right after I got married, and so like I got married, and I was I I owned a graphic design company, and. Uh, me and my buddy uh, were doing this graphic design company, and he, 
I was looking for something to blow off steam because I was like always stressed because I was working two jobs. I had my regular job that I still have now, and then I had this graphic design company that I was doing at night. And so I was like, man, I want something to to just uh, just chill out, you know. Mm-hmm. And my buddy used to play Magic. His name's Ethan, and uh, we tried to play Lord of the Rings. Not to cut you off, but I love that game like no other. <laughs> You do? Yeah. I still I have actually, some of the cards. I could send them to you, man. Sure. I mean, you can buy a booster box for about $10 on eBay, just to put it in perspective for the listeners, but I actually played that before Magic. Really? So did I. Oh, perfect. Yeah. And well, then you're like, oh, Magic's just so much better. I don't know if I actually could qualify myself as playing it. I bought two, I bought two starter decks, and mm-hmm. then the kind of like personality I have, I was like, okay... I need more than these starter decks, you know? And so, like, I went to look for booster packs. Mm -hmm. And it turns out you can't buy Lord of the Rings booster packs in Vermont at all. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Vermont is, like, the tiny state, you know? You can't buy... There's some things you just can't buy in Vermont. Like, like Mexican food, you can't buy Mexican food. (laughs) Um I think if you put a Chipotle there, like, the place might implode. Like, people will lose their ever... You know what? Actually, this is a true story about Vermont. They opened a Taco Bell, and the wait was three hours. No joke. Like, they opened a Taco Bell, and the wait was three hours. That is not that is not a joke. And this happened for weeks. Oh, um, man. Yeah, and so anyways... Uh, <laughs> it's just crazy. So, yeah, you can't buy Lord of the Rings booster packs in Vermont. Now, how um, how old were you when you were living in Vermont? Uh, I'm going to say, like, 21, 22. Okay, that's right about when you moved there? Yeah, yeah. I used to live in California. That's where I'm from. That's what I, I said. Yeah, I saw it said you were, like, from California. And I'm like, but I thought he was from Vermont. I was curious how long you lived there, because I do have a question for you. <laughs> I heard this last episode, so I'm ready. <laughs> have you ever put your feet in sandwich bags before putting them in your boots? No, I never have. But <laughs> But when you said it, I was like, man, technology, that would have been so good. <laughs> I was the same way. I was the same way. I get the logic behind it, but I've never done that before. <laughs> oh, man. I, I don't know. Maybe I grew up poor. <laughs> People in Arizona are like, what are they talking about? Why no, the guy, they- even the guy in Arizona knew, Jerry. You just, you didn't. All right, all right. All right. <laughs> You're the only tangent. one, Jerry. <laughs> tangent, tangent, well, tangent. Apparently, you and Medina. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I, I think it's about 50-50 split. <laughs> okay, so, all right, so that, that gets my question out of the way for that. Alright, <laughs> right, Lord of the Rings card game. I'm glad we cleared that up. I'm glad we cleared that up. So yeah, Lord of the Rings. So I couldn't buy booster packs, and so I was like, well, I can't buy booster packs, but look at all these magic booster packs. There's tons of them. And uh, so my buddy used to play, and at this point, I was like, yeah, I'm gonna, I think we're going to try it. We're going to give magic a try. And this is not my first exposure to magic. Mm-hmm. When I was younger... Um, when I was younger, I, I, I found out about magic uh, for, in high school, okay? And uh, in high school, I used to teach a Bible study. Oh, and, wow. uh Yeah, yeah, it's kind of crazy. The, the whole ride before my magic, like, appearance on the magic scene is just crazy. I used to actually publish a Christian magazine even before that. Um, so not before high school, but before the magic stuff. And so, um, so in high school, there was kids playing it, okay? But because I used to do this Bible study and stuff, and I had this really weird view. Obviously, I don't view magic this way now. But at the time, I was like, oh, well, that's the devil's game, you know? 
And so, like, so I knew about Magic then, but they had this card game uh, back in the day for Christians, and it was called Redemption, okay? And it was oh, kind man. of like a, yeah, yeah, it was kind of like a Magic ripoff, and we used to play that. I used <laughs> but to there play was that only white. <laughs> yeah, yeah, white, <laughs> only white and black. <laughs> and if you choose black, well, you start with one card in hand. <laughs> <laughs> you lose. <laughs> Even if yeah, you win, uh, the rule says you lose at the end of the you game. You lose, yeah, yeah. There is no winning if you pick black. You know? um, no, so no and I mean black by alignment with demonic, you know. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, clear that up. Just clearing that up there. I, I didn't turn into a bigot. Um, this could go off the rails, man. I remember first of times... We got in some trouble on the A team for uh, for Christine Sprankel and some commentary she gave. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, that was so bad. But um, but anyways, uh, yeah. So I, I kind of knew about it from that. And at that time, I used to play Redemption, which I thought was awesome. Uh, and and then I played later played Redemption after playing Magic. Mm-hmm. And Redemption is a terrible card game. It's uh, it's just not good. Uh, but anyways, I'm not here to bash that card game. Um, but I was playing Decipher Inc. Star Wars at that time as well. Okay, so I was playing Redemption and, Re- and Decipher Inc. Star Wars, uh, Star Wars CCG, and so like that's kind of like my background. So then when when the jump came, like when when I was in Vermont, I'm like, well, first of all, I don't look at Magic as a devil's game anymore. By this point, I'm not in high school. You know, I kind of my views, you know, kind of uh, matured and whatnot. And then, uh, and I seen it there, and my buddy had played it before, and I used to play Star Wars, so I'm like, alright, let's give it a shot. And so, so that was my entry. So just some perspective, do you remember what set was, like, in, what, what standard was at this point? Yeah, standard was Time Spiral Block and M10. Oh, okay, that's actually... Not M10, sorry, 10th tenth, tenth edition. 10th tenth edition, tenth, yeah. Always gets confusing with those. Yeah, yeah <laughs> thanks. Right. Uh, I gotta ask, John, how old are you? I am 33, Jeez. if I remember correctly. Okay. All right. <laughs> All you guys are kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Adrian, just when, whenever you ask that question, just brace yourself. You're going to be <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, a ki- I'm definitely a kid. It, it kind of shows also my, like, I mean, I started at that point in Time Spiral, and then look how devoted I became to the game mm. by, by the point. You know what I mean? I... I sucked this game up like, like it was, you know, like it was lifeblood, you know? And, um, I mean, I think a lot of people can identify with that, right? I I feel the majority of people I talk to around our age, um, kind of have the same life cycle where they were introduced to the game, uh, played it casually, got like pretty into it. And then they took a break for a couple years, usually because a terrible set had just come out. <laughs> and then, <laughs> like, something changes in their life. For me, it was, like, graduating college, so I had more, you know, not actually less free time, but less, you know, social pressures. Um, so I came back to it and just got sucked right back into it. And I'm probably now way deeper now than I was when I first started playing. And I feel a lot of people kind of have that similar uh, life cycle with the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's... Uh... We have so much energy as we're when we're younger, you know. Right. And we we I think we like are kind of wired in a way to look for something to pour our life into, you Definitely. know. Um. And and what what I would say from like a religious perspective is like we were made to worship something. Right. Um, 
namely God, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and so, but, but I think what we, people who don't believe in God and stuff, um, I think that they, and this is my perspective, obviously, like someone who doesn't believe in God is going to say, dude, you're crazy. And I understand that. And you're totally welcome to say that. Um, but, but what I'm saying is like the way that I see it is that we're made to worship something and, and, uh, and magic becomes that thing for some people because, uh, we just need, we need that. We need to worship something. And, and for some people, it's sports, you know, they're, yeah. you know, some people it's magic. Um, some work. people is work, uh, some people's relationship, like their, their mm-hmm. wife or, or the idea of love. And so, um, so I, I think when we're younger, we kind of don't know what, what we want to worship and we don't kind of really understand that we want to worship something, you know, we just kind of feel these pools in different areas and like this great joy when we're doing something. And so we kind of just say, Oh, well, let's just replicate that joy. Like, let's just keep doing what, what, what feels awesome, you know? Yeah. You just got that dopamine rush. Yeah. Just get that dopamine going. And (laughs) and so kids crack those packs of dopamine, crack those packs, open those planeswalkers. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so I think, you know, naturally we kind of are, we're bent for that. And, uh, you know, video games is another, is another Yo. huge, uh, mm-hmm. you know, huge draw. It's something that, that is, um, that's very interesting to people. And, and I can see why. I mean, some of the games they make are freaking awesome, you know, like really good, really well designed, really interesting mm-hmm. storylines and whatnot. Uh, s- sweet soundtracks, you know, they just kind of are very immersive. Um, and I think one of the big, one of the reasons why I stepped away from the game, if you fast forward, I mean, we started at the beginning, but if you fast forward from my, my situation, uh, one of the reasons I stepped away from the game is because in my life, it was such a diversion mm-hmm. that it was, um, it was hurting my relationship. Right. Um, and, and I'm not saying like people who know my story know that there were some other factors that hurt my relationship that were totally my fault and had nothing to do with magic. Um, it's self-destructive behavior and stuff that I, take total responsibility for but after that self-destruction after that implosion i started to take stock of my life and i started to say well wait a second this this diversion is an enemy of me loving my wife like i think that like all diversion all preoccupation and all um distraction is is an enemy of love and and what i mean by that is that you know to love someone, you have to consider them and you have to think about them and you have to uh, invest in them. Mm-hmm. And when you're investing in things that are uh, for you, like uh, like uh, magic or video games or whatever your diversion is, then you lose the opportunity to invest the, that energy, that money, that time, that that brain space to something that that is worthy of your love. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can definitely see that because it's also not so much as uh, just blocks. You know, I can only focus on this right now. I can only focus on this right now or something else. It's it it's all the little things stacking on top of each other, grinding away. 
and, you know, say you start off at 100% and then you add in a distraction, you know, that brings you down to 95%. And then, say you pick up video games, that brings you to 90. And then, you know, you're playing card games, that brings you to 80. And, you know, pretty soon you're only at half, you know, 50%. You're half as involved as you were at the beginning. And it's really easy to lose yourself in that because it happens in such small increments that you don't notice it building up over time. Yeah, I think I think that's a good a good commentary on it because a lot of things happen in a subtle way and you don't you don't really realize what's happening that you don't realize that these things are robbing you of your opportunities to love people. Uh and and then I think that it's very easy for us when we're doing something we enjoy to be like, "Oh, well this is justifiable because X Y and Z." Mm-hmm. And and if you surround yourself with people who say, "Yeah, that's justifiable," because they all want to do the same thing you're doing, then it's really hard to see that it. sometimes it isn't justifiable if your priority is to love people. If your priority is not to love people, then, yeah, that's, you know, that doesn't make any sense to to um, to deny yourself diversion or distraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if that's not your priority, then, yeah, you who cares? You know, you can do what you want. But if your priority is to love people, if you want to do that, then you have to be careful of what you let your your mind uh, chew on. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it's also um, all a matter of uh, just, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, not perspective, levels, just uh, not letting it get away from you. Because it's okay to, you know, take breathers and, you know, be distracted and, you know, let off steam. It's that you, it's important to keep it from being your primary focus. The minute that your distraction becomes your primary focus, that's when it starts becoming a problem. You know, distraction, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, you know, I'm an eager beaver, you know, I haven't podcast forever, so I always want to just jump in, you know, so so just feel free to put me in my place. Um, Uh, I agree. I agree with everything you're saying right there um, about the distraction becoming the focus. And and I know I, I'm glad you said that because I feel like as we start having this conversation, people are like, "Whoa, like who is this guy talking? <laughs> like he, he's basically saying I can't play magic if I do that. I don't love people, you know, which um, which is not what I'm trying to say." Um, at all. What I'm trying to say is just, is kind of like what you said. You're saying basically do it in moderation and it, and it's fine. That was the word I was looking yeah, for. Yeah. I, I knew, I knew what <laughs> Joey's knew trying it. to find the word. Thesaurus.com. Like, this is not working. <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm not, I, I struggle. I, like, I, when I start laying down these ideas, these are all ideas that I aspire to. And, and let's be honest, you know, I don't live, I don't live up to these ideas. Um, yeah, I try, and I think they're worthy ideas. Okay, um, but but I don't uh, in my real life I don't live up to these ideas, um, and it's something I struggle with because I'm still interested in things. Okay, um, you know I still I'm gonna uh, I, I mean I play video games I play uh, uh, on Nintendo 3DS a lot of mobile games because I get to take the 3DS with me where I go and like I can open it and play for 15 minutes and then. Uh, you know, do something else. Like, I don't play a lot of console games because that means I have to sit down for like an hour or two, or that's the way I would enjoy it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I, like, uh, sorry, I'll, I'll finish quicker. No, 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 don't, worry, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. 
so like I struggle with that uh, in my own brain. I say, well, how much is this? You know, is it okay to be diverted a little bit? Is it okay to be distracted? Um, like, how much of this is okay and how much is not? I don't know. I can't answer the question because it's something that I still have a question about. You know. So I'm going to be completely honest with the both of you. Like, I had one earphone on for a little while there because <laughs> my wife got home. She's had a rough day, and uh, there we go. Distractions. Exactly. I was trying, and I was trying to give her the attention of like, the, like I was trying to explain to her the interesting <laughs> juxtaposition of the conversation in one ear while she's whispering in the other because she knew I was recording. She didn't want to talk, but I know she's had a rough day, and it's like part of that. You know, for me, at this moment, and where I'm at, like, I'm not an individual who does moderation, you know, and um, so, uh, you know, I'm, I I don't just draft a little, like, I just get into legacy. Um, and, like, now I'm doing, like, I was telling, I was telling John, you know, now I'm playing with with different editing software for different things, and, you know, this poor woman, I'm, she comes home and I'm either building a deck, editing a podcast, recording a podcast, making custom cards, or, like, doing different things, and and that distraction has taken from it, it's like like John was saying it's taken from my um, the capability of me to love because that time is taken you know yeah and uh, so it was just a really interesting <laughs> it was a really interesting to have to be in two conversations at the same time he's like this is happening like right now like, <laughs> I'm so actually weird. neglecting I'm like, my wife and, right well, no, now. No. Well, she she just left now, but every time I'm trying to go back to the conversation, you guys are like, and then distraction takes away your ability to love it. I'm like, let me go back to my wife. <laughs> I'm so conflicted. Oh, man, oh, that's, man. that's cool. That's cool. Yes. Um, um, well, I feel, so one of the ways that I've been able to find balance with my life is sharing my distractions with the people I like being with. So my go-to example is, I like playing video games. I like playing video games with friends. So we'll all, you know, hang out at someone's house and play video games, or we'll all jump on Skype and play online and hang out on Skype with each other. But I'm always very careful to catch myself is if do I want to, like, stay home and just play video games or go out actually with friends. Mm -hmm. And that, I feel, is a very, you know, distinct line for me that I tried not to cross where I'm not doing my distractions instead of hanging out with my friends, I'm doing my distractions and sharing in the experience with my friends. And I yeah. feel that that's a really good way to, you know, get your distraction fixed while also not letting it, uh, you know, change your lifestyle. Hmm. Is I, I, go ahead. No, you. No, no, you. You, you haven't talked. <laughs> so polite, all of us. <laughs> all right, so, and, and I guess, um, you know, that kind of brings up another question. John, that I'm I'm curious about. So I didn't I didn't realize you taught Bible study when you were younger, and and we're so involved with the church. Um, mm -hmm. I okay. So when I was younger, I was I had like a, a religious upbringing to some degree. Yeah. When I was younger, I, I actually don't even remember what religion it was. It, like it may have been Roman Catholic or Baptist. I don't actually remember. I think it was Baptist because I was baptized. But uh -huh. it's all really, and I don't want to be slighting people's religions. Um, it it did remind me more like calisthenics. Like there was a mm -hmm. lot of kneel, stand, kneel up, you know. And, and, yeah, um, yeah. And that sounds was, like Catholicism. Yeah, it was definitely a type of Catholicism. I just, mm -hmm. I think, I don't remember if it was like that in the Baptist church either. But um, so I was, I, I diverted from that childhood faith anyway. Uh, as I grew up, and I, I don't know if this, like, there was a point where 
um, I was going to become a father. And, like, that mm-hmm. was a point where I started to develop a relationship with my God anyway, along with a lot of other things that happened at that same time. So, it, like, there was a point where I had this, um, as some would call it, a moment of clarity type deal. And I'm curious, mm-hmm. like, where did you... Where did you find yourself when you kind of reconnected with your sense of of your God, and how did uh like what brought you to some sort of a moment to make you say that you needed to do something different? Well, uh, like you said, I I was raised uh, with a Christian upbringing, and it was uh it was kind of a strict Christian upbringing. But the interesting thing about it is, my parents raised me that way, but my parents lived not that way. Right. Um, they, they, I mean, we used to live, uh, you know, in California, and I don't want to badmouth my parents, but uh, I love my parents. We have a great relationship now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but at the time of growing up, uh, they were involved in a lot of things, uh, that were not healthy for a child's environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to go into details for their sake. Sure. Um, so it was a, it was an interesting tension because I felt this need for God when I was younger, uh, because I was in desperate times. Uh, with my brothers and sisters and we needed help and I was a kid so I couldn't, I had to reach out to something, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, um, what that spawned into is as I started to grow into a young adult, I started to, my insecurities started to form, okay? And so like, you start looking for value uh, in places and you want to be valued, you want to be loved and in, in high school it's the worst place for that, right? Because, uh, you know, everyone's kind of having those insecurity issues and so everyone's kind of just like stepping on each other to get above the other. Mm-hmm. And so so what happened is, uh, and I'm not sure exactly how it happened, but my religion or my, my ideas about God became m- what I would call moralism. Okay? And so what, what moralism is, is basically a set of rules that you try to live by that doesn't really have an attachment to uh, a deity. Okay, uh, you would say, like, if somebody asked me, do you believe in God? I'd say, yeah, I'm preaching God right now. God says you should live like this, okay? And so I was totally under the impression that I was serving God, but what was really happening is I was developing moralism. And moralism is just a set of rules that I was trying to make uh, myself live by and trying to hold other people to. Okay. It's like a philosophy instead of a faith. Yeah, it's a it's a philosophy instead of a faith in a in a person or in a being, and so what was happening was uh, what happened all throughout my I mean I like I said I, I printed a magazine I used to do I've done Bible studies all my life through um, through high school and then when I moved to Vermont I was doing Bible studies before I got into magic, and I was teaching the Bible because I understood the Bible from an intellectual standpoint. And so, like, I would study the Bible, and I would say, well, I have a really high reading comprehension, so I can tell you that the Bi- that this is happening in the Bible, okay? But the problem with that... Go ahead. I was just going to say SAT on the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to 1600 on the Bible section. <laughs> exactly. If, if there was an SAT, I would have had a high score. But the problem is, is that I didn't know the author of the Bible. And so when you try to take that moralism and you try to take all those rules and you try to uh, apply them without uh, without God, it doesn't work. What it turns into is like this self-focused uh, endeavor where, like you were talking about ego, where you're building your own ego by, by accomplishing morals. You're accomplishing your goodness. And um, 
And the whole, the whole idea of God is not to accomplish goodness. Okay, God doesn't want a bunch of well-behaved people. Okay, that's not what he's after. He wants people who love him. He wants people who are, who are crazy about him, who have this fire inside their heart for him. And, and it, 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 it's not the kind of, it's not the kind of, uh, where you're just like, oh, I need, I need to do this because it'll make God happy. Like, no, what's going to make God happy is that you realize that you are different than him. And what I mean by that is, this, it's, it's the opposite of moralism, okay? When you start to realize that you actually can't keep the morals, you can't keep the morals, okay? And, uh, and all of us are broken. Okay, we're all broken. We all have these these shortcomings. I had these ego issues. I still have ego issues. Um, I'm not trying to fool anyone, hmm. but I have ego issues. I have, um, you know, all of this struggle inside. And instead of taking it to God, what I would do is take it to moralism. So the whole heart of God is, look, you're broken. Just come to me. Come to me in that broken state and say, I'm broken and I need you. And God says, yes, you do. And like, let's, let's be together. Creator and man. Let's, let's have a relationship. And so the, 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 the light bulb for me was when I cheated on my wife and I realized, man, all these years I try to keep these morals and I just can't do it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm like, I can't do it. And, and, and so like, I had this crisis. And, and the, the most beautiful thing happened in this crisis. Um, my wife, who had every right to leave me, my wife, who had every right to, to just, just, uh, end our relationship, where there was no attachments at the time, really. I mean, she could have done it in a heartbeat, and she, sh- I don't want to say she should have, because I, I don't like to say that, but, <laughs> but like, you know, like, I, I deserve, I had no deserve, I had deserved no mercy from her, because mm-hmm. it was all my doing. It wasn't like an accident, it wasn't, you know, and so, in the midst of that, um, I wanted to be with her, okay? Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, man, I want to be with her, I messed up, um, and so I know that if I want to be with her, and I really want this relationship to work, I need to be clean about everything, okay? I just need to come clean about everything. And so I just started telling her about all the girls that I was flirting with. Um, I started telling her about every sick thought and every sick thing that I did. Mm-hmm. I just put it all on the table. And I said, like, if you can love me after putting all this on the table, then... uh you know, I don't, I didn't want to trick her into loving a fake me, right? So right. I'm just like, here's the real me. Just, uh, you know, that's what you got. And I was expecting her to be like, I can't do it. Like, this, this is, you know, it's not going to work. And instead, she didn't. She said, I love you anyways. Now, uh, that, that prompts me to ask you a question, John. Um, sure. Introspectively, in your heart of hearts, um, do you think there was a point there where you were trying to give her all this make information to justify her leaving? Um, you know what I, I mean? I think there could have been, um, this, this is, this is, uh, this comes back to issues that I have. I have self-worth issues. Um, mm-hmm. if you knew about my old magic persona, you see a lot of ego. The ego was just compensation for self-worth issues. Yeah. I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to be valued, okay? Mm-hmm. And so the problem with self-worth issues is 
you sabotage yourself mm-hmm. because you don't feel like you deserve good things. Right. Okay. So, um, I haven't gotten to the, the surgical part of the, of analyzing whether my giving all the information was partially self-sabotage. Okay. Um, but I really feel, uh, I don't know if there was a little hint of that in the, in the depths of my person, but I do feel like that was more of me trying to be free because when you keep a lot of things hidden, you're not free. Mm-hmm. And, and when you're under the bondage of stuff like hidden relationships, all of this stuff, you, you never feel good about it. No, and a lot of times I think you walk around saying, you know, imagining to yourself, if people knew who I really was, they wouldn't like me. Yeah, and that's and that's that's a damaging, you yeah. know. It's and and so so what ended up happening is when I told her that and she said, "Oh, I just, I love you anyways. Like, mm-hmm. let's make this marriage work." Mm-hmm. God, he whispered in my ear at that point, and he was like, "That's how I love you. Mm-hmm. I I see everything." He's like, "I see everything, Jonathan." I know you, and I love you, and I want to be in a relationship with you, and I don't care. I don't care that you failed. And when God told me that, and, and I'm not saying like an audible voice, but when I heard that in my heart, I said, wow, like, is that for real? Is right. that is that a real thing that God loves me so much, even in this even in this failure, even in this despair? And, uh, and it is. It is real. And so that was my moment. Mm. Um, now that I, I gotta ask because I really don't know. <laughs> Jerry, what is your religious persuasion? <laughs> um, I have a very interesting religious persuasion to the point where even I'm not too sure. Um, so, I mean, I'm born and raised in Boston, which is, you know, like one of the most liberal cities in the country. Um, I mean, I was raised Irish Catholic. My mom's Italian, my dad's Irish, but we never, you know, went to church. It was very progressive upbringing where, you know, you were taught that, you know, these things are around, you know, I was baptized, I went to Sunday school and all that, but mm-hmm. we never went to like church every Sunday as a family, you know, that, that, you know, traditional wholesome American style you see in the movies. That was literally just <laughs> what it was to me. It was in the movies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, you know, you know, going to school and, you know, uh, growing up high school, college, you know, all my friends were very much more devoted to the religion of science, uh, than, you know, traditional religion. They were all about, um, you know, what happens when you die is you decompose and that's it. There, mm-hmm. there isn't really an afterlife or anything like that. And, but we all kind of agreed almost similar to your morality that, the point of life is to try and lead a good life. You know, no one wants to, no one wants to, you know, leave this world and look back and say, it's like, oh, I was a, I was a shitty person. I was a terrible, <laughs> terrible person. So even though I always thought it was very telling that, uh, growing up, you know, me and all my friends never went to church. We never, you know, had this religiousness about us, yet we all, still wanted to be good people and we wanted to, uh, you know, do well by other people and to, you know, join society in that way, which I feel is almost an oxymoron because if you don't believe there's an afterlife, if you don't believe there's any point in that this is it, well, why don't you just make the most of this life and, you know, take advantage of everything you can and try and make mm-hmm. as much money and, you know, gluttony and, you know, just 
take as much as you can and give as little back. But uh-huh. even though that would be what you would think is the logical outcome, everyone still wanted to be good people. So I felt that there's got to be something else out there that's, you know, maybe not consciously directing you, but at least subconsciously. Yeah, there's got to be an influence that's making you feel the opposite of what you logically should feel. Exactly. That, you know, even some of my best friends who, you know, don't believe in God at all, they they think, you know, Christianity is the biggest hoax ever played, they're still some of the nicest, kindest people who would, you know, take someone in off the street, give the shirt off their back, and, you know, would take care of these people. Yeah, definitely. And and I think C.S. Lewis talks about that in a... In this book called Mere Christianity, he talks about this moral law that's that's inside uh, people. You know, mm-hmm. they have this they have this idea of right and wrong, and it's kind of hard to put our finger on where that comes from if you don't if you don't ascribe it to God. Right. I've also experienced firsthand one of my favorite sayings is everyone gets real religious on their deathbed. <laughs> so. Yeah. You I recognize mean, that firsthand. What do you What do you mean? By uh, that? Just you know, uh, you know, cars skidding out on the on the highway. Uh, yeah, it's it's the another way that I've always heard it put was there's no atheist in foxholes. Yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like whenever as soon as soon as you get the cuffs on you and you're in jail for the week, oh god, just get me out of this again. Exactly, and I'll never do it again. Yeah, it's it's, it's a kind of a crisis prayer sort of thing. Exactly. So even now, it's you know, I don't I don't go to church. I don't you know pray or anything like that, but. When my life flashes before my eyes and I'm about to, you know, slam into a semi truck, I yeah. get I get religious real fast. <laughs> so, so you see, say I, you're semi religious? <laughs> yeah. Boom! <laughs> 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 oh my. Um, yeah, I'm, I I am also. I'm not terribly religious. I mean, I, I think, I th- like I said, I, I don't know what that religion was I grew up with, but I like, I know when I was younger, I went to CCD, became an altar boy, all that stuff. I mean, it was a, uh, like, I, I guess my, so my younger experiences was, uh, like, I would, I was probably eight as an altar boy, and I would do like the French mass on the weekends, and then I'd be yelled at because I didn't understand French, so I didn't pick up the cues, and I kind of came to this internal thing where. I'm missing Saturday morning cartoons, and I don't think this is what my God wants for me. <laughs> so I disassociated myself from the religion, and I always had a difficult time at the same time of, of the priest telling me who my God was. And and, um, and I kind of, my, my, my spirituality developed differently over time. A lot of times I would gravitate more towards uh, Native American beliefs anyway. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like I was talking about earlier, at a certain point when I'm getting ready to have my son, and I, I was... At a certain point, things went started going really bad. But then I came, I got in, in contact with um with uh I, I came to a certain set of beliefs that I could take in that didn't that weren't so rigid. Rigid, like, yeah. Like the the priest always ended up seeming to be rigid. Well, this is God, and this was his birthday, and he resurrected, and all this stuff that well I didn't fully get because I I didn't come to my own internal relationship with my god mm-hmm. yet you know and and when i began to develop that it kind of started off really simple it was like there's a good chance there's a god his name's not adrian and like, <laughs> and because what what always gets me into trouble is self-will it's, yeah. it's it's the more that i try to do things the more that i and a lot of times um 
you know, this is, this is a good book that I read once upon a time. I don't know if uh, either one of you ever had the chance to check it out, but it's Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. I've heard of it, but I've never read it. Yes. I learned yeah. so much about myself reading that. Like, like, and it, and it, and it ties back to that self-will where I have this, this, the self-will would actually get me towards, I want to be accepted and admired by people. You mm-hmm. know, and like, and so for a long time I thought selling drugs did that. And mm-hmm. it, it didn't. <laughs> you know, um. Yeah. But the, uh, the more I developed, the more I worked on kind of developing my relationship with my own God, um, and it, it only happened by being open-minded to different people. Like, you know, years ago, Jehovah's Witnesses would knock on my door and I'd make some comments, slam the door, whatever. You know, and now I'm at a point where I'll invite them in for coffee. Because mm-hmm. I never know when, when they're gonna say something to me. And like, sometimes I'll hear something. It's, it's kinda like, I, you know, I, I tend to fall into the idea that, um, I think religion is kinda set up for people so that they are a better person than they would be without it. You know, and like, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter what religion it is. You know, some people, some people may associate themselves as Jewish or Buddhist or whatever. You know, and, and to me, that's not as, to me, to me, it's not as important as the sense that, like, they have come to a realization that they're not God. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and there's been times where, like, I always notice the Jehovah's Witnesses do seem to send the cutest girls. I don't know what that's about. But yeah, they, they used to always send old people to my house. <laughs> there was uh, one day they sent a couple to my house, and I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I should convert, man. <laughs> <laughs> they, got a, they got a good PR department in Egypt. Yeah, is that all it takes? Come <laughs> on. <laughs> I, I'm going to make a metaphor here that uh, is a little bit crap, not crass, but a little bit uh, beneath the higher issue, but I think it displays the issue really well. I feel... Um, worshiping uh, your god in only one way, as in you know Christianity or Buddhism or Jewish uh, Judaism. There we go. <laughs> uh, is kind of like uh, only eating one style of food, like only eating Chinese food or only eating Italian food. It all gets you the same thing that you need: the sustenance, that close connection that you're looking for. But you're missing a whole bunch of what else is out there by limiting yourself to only one style. And by exploring all the different faiths, and, you know, you can definitely pick your favorite one, but by exploring all the different faiths allows you the full spectrum and the ability to see it from different angles that really put a great perspective on it that I feel lets you enjoy it and become immersed in it in a way that you wouldn't be able to if you only focused on one specific style. And, and here's what I would propose to that. Mm-hmm. I'm not afraid of that. Like, I think that... People should investigate things. You know, we're talking to a bunch of gamers. If there's anyone left, still <laughs> <laughs> we're talking to a bunch of gamers here who um, are analytical thinkers. That's why we like magic, right? We think analytically. Uh, we think reasonably, right? Right. And so for me to tell a bunch of analytical, reasonable thinkers, hey, don't consider the options, that's, that's stupid, right? Like, we want options. You know, what card is going to give us the most options? And what card, you know, we, we want Where's that. the value? Yeah, we want the value, right? What, what religion is blue? I want that one. <laughs> yeah, whichever one lets you draw cards, let's go with that one. Um, so, so the, you know, me, for me to say that's it's silly, okay? You, I think people should investigate. But the thing that I would, that I would kind of put out there is, you're saying, well, you're you're kind of missing out on something if you only accept God in this way, right? Or if you only accept God in that way. Mm-hmm. And 
What I would say is that would be great. That would be a great approach if it was about you. Okay? If it was about your happiness and what you're missing and, and stuff, then sure, you would want to sample everything that made you, uh, feel good or everything that made you, but what if, what if it's not about you? What if it's about God himself and how he wants to be viewed? As some people will be like, well, what if he doesn't want to be viewed as a he? And that's okay. <laughs> I understand that people have those kind of uh, ideas, but you know, I'm taking, uh, I, I'm, I, I understand God through the lens of the Bible, which the Bible calls God a he. So not to detract. What, what if it isn't for about you? Sake. What if it's about, <laughs> yeah, for, for simplicity's sake, what if it's not about you? What if it's about God? Then, you know, not, not seeing God the way that God wants to be seen is um is not the best it's not the best way i yeah would I you mean, agree? I, yeah I definitely agree with that I've never really thought about it that way, but that almost is is a scary thought for me because, like you were saying before how you know you turn to God because of your ego you, you have your your self worth um Issues, but it almost seems like if, if that's the case, then doesn't God have the biggest self-worth issues of us all? If He only wants to be seen in uh, certain ways, um, well, that that's uh, that's a fair question. It's a fair question, uh, and it would be true if God was like us, okay? Mm-hmm. But God is not like us, uh, and God. The difference between us and God is that God is the central source of joy, goodness, and love in the universe. So being that central source, it's it's important that the people he created see him properly. Because if they don't, they don't get to experience the maximum amount of joy, love, and goodness. And so it would be unloving of God to not want to be seen that way because then he would be cheating us. That, I'm, yeah. lost. That, <laughs> no, that, <laughs> I'm lost. I'm that, lost. That is a really good, uh, good answer, though. It's, it's almost like you can, you can look at the sun wearing red glasses or blue glasses or green glasses, but you're only really looking at the sun when you're looking at it with your own two eyes. I'm still lost. Like, like, <laughs> like, well, no, one of the things one of the things that I think about for me anyway is the um, the the difference between beliefs and ideas for me, and um, you know where, where I think like for me I think faith is in not knowing the answer, um, mm-hmm. and but beliefs like the difference between beliefs and ideas to me. So years ago, people believed that the world was flat, mm-hmm. you know, and that th- those were their beliefs and the belief structures. But if 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 I could take into myself that the world's flat is as an idea. I can I can allow my ideas to be molded, you know what I mean, and and I don't end up with that crisis of faith because I was diverted from my you know I was diverted from my God for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and that uh, a crisis of faith um, can be very costly for me, mm-hmm. you know. It's um, okay. Anyway, yeah. Let me let me revisit what we were talking about because I don't want to lose you. You said you're lost, and that's okay because I put it in a very convoluted way. Um, <laughs> so I think the heart of Jerry's question is this: um, if God demands praise, doesn't that make him a bit egotistical or uh, a bit insecure? 
Okay, right? it's Jerry's question. Okay. Yeah. Is that is that right, Jerry? Yeah, is no, that no, kind of exactly. like the spirit of what you're saying? Exactly. Like, if God's like, look at me, look at me, doesn't that make him insecure? Doesn't that make him um, kind of uh, egotistical, right? And my answer to that for him was it doesn't make him egotistical because he's not like us. He's completely other than us. And he is the central source of goodness. Okay, so if he... If he's a central source of goodness and he doesn't tell us, look at me, then that's unloving of him. Because at that point, he would be saying, oh, go look at something that's not as good. Go go invest your life in lesser goodness. And why would God do that? We, we wouldn't want a God who does that. We would want a God who says, come to the best place. And that best place happens to be me. Yeah, it's not you. Yeah, he's not saying, hey, look at me because I'm so cool. He's saying, hey, look over here because I think you'll really enjoy it if you look over here. How about how about this as an idea, too, because this, I think, ties into that. Um, what if, uh, how can I, I'm trying to find a way to put it for you, Jerry, as, as an idea. Yeah. Um, so got maybe God's over here saying, look at me if you'd like to, and I will give you all of the free will to, to make your own decision. Like, like that's that's not a sense of egotism. That's a sense of, of you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, exactly. Like if if he just if he, if it was all about like all about me, he'd just take away your free will and you wouldn't have a choice. Right. Yeah. That's the ultimate dilemma. It's um, you have all the free will to do the worst thing for yourself. <laughs> and I I found like for myself, and this is this is a little bit maybe like me playing God, as you no. Know, You've been right. playing SimCity too much. No, we're, we're going to go. I want, I want, we're going to go into a different. I, I, how's, uh, this, I want to go into a different area here. Let's um, do it. Let's do this it. is this is so. This is your first child, John, right? Yes. Yes. And and, and what? Um, um, let me see. Uh, now, obviously, so far, my sense of time has been so wrong because I thought it was like eight months ago that was your last episode of the Eighteen. It was like a year and a half. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I'm so far off. Has it really been that long? Wow. So. I, was she born eight months? No, she was born what? She's four months old now, so she was born four months ago. Okay. But but then I, obviously my my wife carried her for nine months, and we didn't even find right. out that she was pregnant until after like we found out the week I was selling the last of my magic collection. Okay, we'll get oh, that's into like that a part. Sign. Yeah, we'll get, yeah, we'll get into that part too. Um, all right, so all right, so the baby girl's four months old now. Yeah. Now, here's a little. You know, to tie that sort of into God. I mean, as she gets older, well, th- so I have a son. Yeah. I have a stepson. I have a stepdaughter. Uh-huh. Um, now my son, my son's 12. My stepson's 22. Wow. And, uh, so I've had boys. And, and when I had my son, one of my buddies looked at me. He's like, well, you, you know, you're lucky. What, how did he put it? You're lucky you have a boy. You only have one dick to worry about. <laughs> you know, and, and like, and and the other way that that's been put to me is like, so John, you have a daughter, you have one job in this world. <laughs> Keep her off the pole. Well, <laughs> I I look at my one job as uh, as being an authentic and loving father. Oh um, well, yeah, and and I think that I'm hoping that you know my life my the my life is going to be tested, you know, in the sense of how my daughter grows up. Sure. And and how she feels if she feels loved if she feels cherished, yeah. and um you know the the guys are gonna be uh they're gonna be coming they're gonna be after her, and my hope is that um she has she's rooted 
in in the, in my love as a father and in in the love of God, so that she can choose. She can choose a guy who's going to make her happy, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, the relationship that she has with you is going to develop the relationship she's going to have with all men. Yeah, and and I want that to be I want that to be a, a good relationship. Right. Um, I I really do want you know I don't want I'm not the kind of guy who's going to try to restrict my daughter from doing certain things or seeing different guys or you know um I don't want that because I want I want her to make the right choices. That she's gonna, it's just like God. I mean, God gave us free will, and He wants us to make the right choice with, with our, with our, with our free will, you know, and, and that's kind of my approach to parenting, and I'm sure I'm gonna be tempted, you know, as, as time goes on to be like, whoa, 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 don't do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but I really, I think I have to, I just have to be strong in that because I feel like, I feel like the best way to do it is, is to raise Raise her with a reality of, of God. Like, if she, if she looks at me and she's like, you're a fake, you know, you say you believe in God, but look at what you do with your life. You know, or even, even if it's not terrible things, but it's like, let's say that I'm like building a business and all I care about is making money, but I'm like, at church on Sunday saying, yeah, man, God's the most important thing in life, except for my business, you know, <laughs> and, and like, if she sees that, she's just going to say, this is not real, you know? She, she may be tempted to just uh, date people. Yeah, the, the people she'll end up looking for are people who are disingenuine. Well, she's going to serve, she'll probably end up serving my God, whatever that is. Um, if my God is is uh, is approval of people or or okay. like or the praise, she'll serve it. Maybe it'll be in a different way than I do it, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, if If my God is material things... You know, she'll serve it. Maybe it'll be in a different way. Maybe it'll be through trying to get a degree and trying to get a good job. Maybe it'll be through entrepreneurship. Maybe it'll be through marrying a rich guy. Like, you know, there, it's going to come through. But whatever I serve, I think that's what she's going to serve. And so it's kind of like a gut check. Like, it's got to be real. Because if it's not real, then, you know, it's it's fake. It's not worth anything, you know. See, and the reason the reason I wanted to start bringing that up because it does it does tie back to, uh, in, in a sense, to a, a, an ideal an idea that I've had anyway as as a father uh-huh. is in 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 bringing the kids up um, and, and especially especially after eighteen with, mm-hmm. with my stepson. Um, you have the free will to make whatever decision you'd like, and I have the free will to decide whether or not I'll choose to support it. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, once you get to be a certain age, you know, my, my thing is always, and it's just, you know, one of the things that was always, I quit high school when I was younger. And one of the things that's always brought back to me is, um, you're either in school or you're working. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that there's certain things, there's certain ways that it's, that your life will be. And if you want to do your own thing, you can feel free to head someplace else and I won't have to, I won't support that. Uh-huh. Uh, Whenever you're ready to turn your will back over to me, I'll support you unconditionally. It, well, not unconditionally, I guess, but um, you know, and I and I kind of yeah. look at like because I'm not I'm not familiar with the Bible, but isn't that like Adam and Eve were sent from the Garden of Eden because they took their will to eat the apple, and if they ever wanted to give their will back, they were allowed back to the Adam to the Eve. Am I to Eden? No, I'm not. Right, no. So I'm not even uh, well, close. You're close. <laughs> you're cl- you have the first part right. So, so they they used their free will to eat. The fruit, which not technically wasn't an apple, is the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Right. And, okay. and so they, they ate that and then they were, they were, um, exiled from the garden. 
mm-hmm. and and they were punished. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that moment, the you know humanity, I mean, the, all of humanity died um, in a way. Uh, death was was introduced in the world through that action, and the the really the core of what they did is the same thing that we do today. Okay, it's the same thing we say. We say God is not good. Okay, and, it, and it, sometimes people say God is not real, which is the same thing as saying God is not good. Um, and so what they said is God told them don't eat from that tree because it's not good for you. And they said, hmm, I bet you He's holding out on us. I bet you, I bet you it is good for us. And and what they're saying by saying that is that God doesn't have their best interest in mind, and so they ate. And and as God said, it wasn't good for them. It wasn't good for any of us. And so what happened was they were exiled from the garden, the fall of man, sin entered the world, you know, and, and all these, when people ask these questions, why is there so much evil in the world? It goes all the way back to that place, okay, that place where they had that decision, it entered the world, and then, um, and then Christ, Jesus came and undid that in a way. He undid that by, um, by be- it's it's kind of like lots of technical stuff here, but you've, you I mean you've heard I don't want to get doctrinal and crazy like I, theology. I, I thought uh, I thought Jesus stifling put it on me. the stack. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, who am I kidding? You guys are used to complicated stuff, right? So yeah, okay, in the Old legacy. Testament, there was this old covenant, right? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. So if Chains of Mephistopheles is in play. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like brainstorming with Sylvan Library in play. Okay. Ah, okay, so, I got gotcha. you. So, um, so G- in short, Jesus undid that, um, undid that, and gave uh, humanity life again through His sacrifice. Um, and so that's what happened. Um, and I think like where where I want to keep, like where you're going is like okay, you're going to support your kid as long as they don't do something that's that that you disagree with, then you're not going to support them. And well, the, it's more like it's more like all right, if if you're my son. Mm-hmm. And you choose to sell heroin. Yeah, that's your choice. Uh, don't expect to live where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever would, would like, and it's if you would ever like to give up that free will to sell heroin, you're welcome to come back and live here and go to school. Mm-hmm. Now I don't, you know, my son isn't selling heroin, but I look at, you know, some of my spiritual <laughs> just to clear that up, <laughs> just to clear that up. But, but uh, I, lo- I look at my spirituality the same way. You know, if I want to pick up my self will. My relationship with my God is going to diminish, and if I'd ever like to put that self-will back down and develop that relationship with my God, it's going to be the best thing that I could do. I've seen—I mean, I've seen it proved in my past. Yeah, you know, and it's um, but like, so I, I would agree with that. I would agree I, with the the diminishing and the and the growing. Yeah. So, and I, 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 but I wanted to get into the conversation of being a father. <laughs> that was now I tied it back into God. <laughs> well, you don't have to tie everything there. I mean, I think it, I, I would be happy if everyone tied everything to God. But, um, but what I'm saying is, you don't, you don't have to. I, the no, father I just, thing I is, just, you know what? His, 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 his a part of it too. Well, nah, fuck that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna, there's so much that I'm gonna end up like I don't want to edit out. I don't want to keep mentioning something that I have to edit out. That's yeah. all. Yeah. Um. I mean, I I I spend time editing anyway, and that's been my cool little hobby. But um. 
See, I just keep her off the pole. You know, yeah. <laughs> that's the plan. That's the, plan. That's, that's Adrian's, the big plan. Adrian's telling you to uh, to buy a shotgun. Just keep it handy when the oh, yeah, boys don't... come to the front porch. <laughs> I don't even think you tell a father to. They just like, they don't yeah. tell anybody they've already done it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I love that little girl. She is, uh, you know, oh, the... oh, yeah, four months old. Now, isn't isn't the sleeping on your chest, taking a nap thing, just the best? Oh man, like there's just so many things that are the best. And it's like, man, sometimes I feel bad because I don't talk as much about my daughter, but I don't do that because I, it's not because I'm not excited. It's, it's because I feel like some people, you know, it's like people who don't have kids, if you show them a baby picture, right, right. they're kind of just like, oh, cool, you know? <laughs> yeah. And it's the same thing with telling stories. Like, I could tell you stories about, you know, how she's so determined as just a little baby, and, you know, mm-hmm. she wants to flip over, and, like, to me, that's, like, a big thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, but some people yeah. are like, well, who cares, you know? Right, um, right. I can't wait for Jay Boosh to have a kid because oh. all he ever does is complain <laughs> about people bringing their kids to the office or showing him baby pictures. <laughs> and I just can't wait till he has a kid and does that to everyone else. <laughs> oh, man. You can't help it. You really can't. You, I catch myself so many times where I'm like, dude, check out this picture. And, like, to me, it's the cutest picture. And my it's my friend at work, and he's just like, yeah, cool, dude. <laughs> well, you know, so, anyways... <laughs> Play Smash lately, like. <laughs> you, you know what's funny to me now that I think about it too is you mentioned you, that you never read uh, Men Are from Mars, Women Are from Venus, mm-hmm. and and it's you know the book is full of generalizations, but they've all like they were all really really good generalizations yeah. anyway. That the title is a generalization. <laughs> and um, well, so what one of the things that it mentioned in there was the uh, the six main characteristics that a woman looks for in a relationship, in all the relationships, and the six that a man looks for. Mm-hmm. And um, and it was funny because you, you used the word cherish earlier. Yeah. About, and, uh, and about your daughter. And, and so one of the things that was mentioned was that, you know, women love um, to be devoted, you know, devotion, validation, reassurance, um, and, and, you know, the word cherish was huge because it shows that devotion to them. You know, and, and with a guy, you know, the top three are like, what was it? Trust, acceptance, and appreciation, or some, something, something mm-hmm. like that. And um, but I ended up learning a lot about myself out of reading that book, anyway. And uh, and I think I ended up learning a lot about women because somehow this one has been able to put up with me for a long <laughs> freaking time now. Yeah, even though you ignore her for for magic podcasts. <laughs> you know? well, it's, it's, it, it goes it goes beyond that. I mean, like you know, we've been together for a long time, and when mm-hmm. we got back together, I was studying engineering, so I would like. I'm in, I'm in a calculus book. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm doing all sorts of different things. And as soon as I'm done with school, now I'm just like full born work. And then I'm like full born a hobby. Like I, I don't do anything. I don't do anything lightly. Yeah. You know? And it's, um, it's part of this, uh, I think it's, it's in a part of it is what keeps me busy from having to look at me. Yep. You know, and, and, um, it's one of the things that I appreciate about her is that it's, it's a little, um, she, she, as once I get to a certain point, she'll start to reel me in a bit, and yeah. she, she, like, not subtly. Like here, here's a little thing that <laughs> here's, she'll, well, she'll smack you and tell you. <laughs> no, no, not so much smack me, but my my God will do that for me too. Like uh-huh. I'll start doing things that like you know suddenly. And one of the things that, as an analogy, that I always liked is sometimes I'm good at listening to my God, and when I am, he he drops feathers. You know, the, the more I stop listening, they start becoming bricks. <laughs> and and suddenly I can start to realize that I'm I'm wrapped up in self will and I'm doing things that are just 
completely ridiculous. Like, uh-huh. um, God, but there was, I forget where the hell we were going in another part of the conversation. We brought up the daughter anyway. I, w- I know I wanted to ask you, uh, you were probably going to get to tin fins at some point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, I also, Oh. Go ahead, Jerry. Oh, sorry, I have something. I saw I saw a funny thing on on uh, the Twitter exchange earlier today uh, with uh, our, our good friend Frankie Richard. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I saw I saw you responding to like, um, oh, the only way people will will remember me is uh, the guy who ruined tr- uh, trading magic forever. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said that to me uh, recently. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <That's-> uh- <laughs> It was, you know, and, and I look back on like, you know, the magic days for me, and uh, man, like, I'm sorry, like, <laughs> I I feel that's like one of the things people are like least known about you. Is I mean, it's definitely a claim to infamy, I would say, just yeah. the the whole thing. But you want to like expand on it for our listeners who may may not be familiar with it. Well, I think what ended up happening is after the whole Vermont situation. Um, I started becoming, uh, I started buying and selling magic cards and trading a lot. And this was in an age when, uh, magic trading was not as widely known. I mean, people trade since the beginning of the game, right? Mm-hmm. But it was like, oh, I got this Scry ship and dragon. Do you play red? And the other guy's like, yeah, but I want black cards. Here, have this sinkhole, you know? And mm-hmm. so, they're, they're, the trades were like made sense to your decks, you know, and yeah. so there there wasn't like a lot of paying attention to the value of cards back then, mm-hmm. and so so what ended up happening is because I'm kind of like Adrian in the sense that I have a trouble doing something lightly, I just like just go 110. percent I just started learning how to trade, and I I wanted to be the best uh, <laughs> at trading and the best at. At basically, you know, manipulating and socially engineering <laughs> so, my way. So you, you became the best at being the worst. Yeah, and I, and I guess you could look at it being the worst, but at the time I didn't even think of it like that. I just said, right. "Man, there's so many things I want in this game that I can never afford," mm-hmm. and and I said, "How can I get them without spending the money?" And then I said, "Well, I'm spending hours hanging out with these guys at these shops. I'm just going to start bringing this trade binder." I started learning from a trading. There was a, a, a online trading league, Magic Online Trading League, MOTL. Mm-hmm. Um, I started doing business on there, uh, just like tons of it. And when I sold my first batch of cards for $2,000 to a guy who um, he sells on eBay. So what I was doing was doing massive trading locally. And then uh, Meredith said, oh, Meredith's my wife. She was like, mm-hmm. we need some money for something. And I was like, oh. I got these magic cards. I'm going to sell them to this guy. And I got $2,000 from it. And from that point, I was just like, wow, like I could crush it doing this. So Mm. then I started writing about it. And then I ended up writing for Gathering Magic, um, Mm. which at the time was Mana Nation. And then I started writing for uh, Star City Games. um, And and then, uh, which was like the height, right? Well, I don't even know if it was the height. I think F&M Hero was the height. Because there was Star City Games, and then I built a big following from Star City, and then I made and started my own company, Legit MTG, and I wrote. Customer. Thank you very much, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I <yeah>, know. <laughs> I appreciate that. You, you um, even wrote me a note one time. I was so impressed. I did. I did. What did I say? What did I say? 
Like, I think I asked you, uh, you know, why does everyone, like, keep referencing, uh, like, that you, like, have a crossbow? Like, I just wrote it in the comments section just expecting it to be ignored or something, because that's usually for, like, don't, don't mess up my order or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I just, <laughs> I was like, hey, like, why does everyone reference, uh, uh, you having a crossbow? And then I was so surprised I got the package and you had, like, there was, like, a handwritten note in there. It's like, oh, it's because in this episode, like, uh, like a year ago that, uh, you know, we made a joke about a crossbow and it stuck. And I'm like, I was just so blown away that you took the time to like write, like write that out. I used to do that. I and that's part of like you know I love people, man, and I love I love that you know that was part of my business practice. I would come home, and my buddy, um, my buddy Brandon, who was running the show when I was gone, uh, he would have a stack of orders that people wanted me to uh, sign cards or you know, uh, put stuff in there. Some, I mean, people got in the habit of asking me to like write stupid things on cards or draw, uh, penises on cards. Or <laughs> oh, uh, I remember that. Yeah. 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 The, you know, the, I mean, you know, magic players, whatever. Yeah, magic players. <laughs> so, I think Jay so, Bruce started that. Yeah, he did. He started on the 18. So, you know, I, I used to come home and that was one of my favorite things to do is like sit down with a stack of orders or, I mean, it wasn't always a stack. I'm not trying to be like, oh yeah, everybody, you know, but sometimes it was a stack and sometimes it was a couple. And I used to love to sit down and like respond to these orders that had notes on them, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes my buddy Brandon would take the, the time to just write like some silly response. And I encourage that, you know, <laughs> because I love, I love to connect with people like that. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, so I, I I did I did legit MTG, uh, started my own company, uh, got was, I was on the A team for a long time. Uh, I started multiple magic podcasts and and so that's what happened is like this whole thing started from a trading situation and and my primary in the beginning I primarily wrote about magic finance and it was kind of in the dawn of magic finance. Uh, ben Blyweiss was doing it before me. Uh, Kelly Reed was doing it on the magic show before me, but it was like right before me. And so w- when I showed up on the scene, it kind of looked a lot like I was one of the people popularizing. And I was in a way popularizing trading, knowing your values. And I mean, if you go back and read some of those magic articles, I'd probably be ashamed of like some of the stuff I put in there mm-hmm. because like some of it was like manipulation techniques and like, you know, just ways yeah. to, you know, and but what that did is it made people hyper aware of magic trading and value. the value the value of their collection and the money that could be had like i used to post pictures of like you know 100 dollar bills like spread over my floor in like power 9 just like because mm-hmm. of like visiting you know gps or whatever and doing business there mm-hmm. um and so so that's what that's what people are referring to when they say i ruined magic trading is because i made that hyper i didn't single-handedly, but I helped in making that hyper-awareness um, there. And, and kind of it's a, it's a kind of a hyper-fear now, too, because it's like everyone you sit down with, well, this is the way it was when I left the game, mm-hmm. everyone you sit down with kind of feels like you're going to try to take advantage of them. Right. Is that still like that? or? Well, um, here, here's what happens for me now. And, and i got to admit, John, um, I, so I know you from the, the first place I ever actually became familiar with you anyway was crazy talk mm-hmm. um legacy uh, podcast yeah yeah okay. the the legacy podcast <laughs> i'll go with that it's funny too only like 25 episodes and it's like a cult following i think i think you i think crazy are... talk. <laughs> ah, thank you thank you i haven't heard that oh man that's oh. sweet um so yeah 
the uh and the A team. Now I I'm gonna I'm gonna admit and I have no shame in admitting this at all. I've never read one of your articles, but and it's not anything personal. I don't read magic articles. Like I just don't so I've always heard of Pack the Power. Uh-huh. Um Yeah, I was gonna say that that's how I um, not for sure of you, but whenever I hear the whole, you know, like magic trading is ruined forever, the thing that everyone always uses is the asterisk, like the example is pack to power. Oh, pack to power. Yeah. And, and, but what actually, so what actually ha- I'm finding lately, if I go to break out my trade binder or something, you know, a lot of times I'll, I, I might trade with people that, you know, they ask me if I have trades and I'll, I just straight up ask them if there's anything they're looking for. And <laughs> See what I'm because, talking about with the fear? <laughs> well, no, it's it's not so much fear, but really, I have a lot of cards. Like, are you looking to play Show and Tell? I could probably trade you the deck. You know, are you looking to play Stoneforge Mystics? I could trade you a play set. You, you know, there's like different, so there's like certain things where if there's something you're looking for, sure. I mean, if not, then you're going to go through like five binders of shit that you want, but, mm-hmm. you know. Do you, it, get, do you get the guys who go, ah, just odds and ends? You know, yeah. the, no, <laughs> the, 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 the one that The one that bothers me is usually like, Oh, I just trade to trade. Yeah, yeah that, that's not like that's not the way to approach it. What I used to do, and I'm not trying to perpetuate, you know, social engineering or manipulation. But what I used to do is I would just say, "Oh, EDH stuff," because it was true. Because I loved EDH, but they uh, also had the highest value. But they also had the high value. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be surprising if I'm like, "Oh yeah, I need you get, this." Okay, you get the deals because yep. of the cards that no one really thinks are valuable, but are actually like twenty five dollars, and everyone thought they were like a junk rare. Yeah, well, I, like foil chromatic lantern. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I can't even give examples anymore. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that. No, <laughs> but yeah, I feel I feel Pack to Power was really that because Pack to Power kind of encapsulated the turnover. You know, when Magic Trading started, it was you know like you said, trading for the sake of trading to get cards for your deck that you needed, and then. Pack to Power was kind of like the the turning point where it went from trading for things you needed to trading for the sake of trading, and it was all about you know edging out value for it. Yeah, which should I, I take this pack and turn it into a piece of Power Nine? Right, right. yeah. For our listeners who, who aren't aware, yeah. who just think we're, we're shouting mumble, it's basically taking a booster pack off you know from your local gaming store, opening it up, and only using those fifteen cards you open through you know however many trades it takes you, trading up to a piece of Power Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, I thought was kind of, I'm, so I'm a stockbroker by profession, so <laughs> <laughs> I kind of So Jerry has no thing. insight on this. <laughs> it's like I go like from my day job to my hobby and they are scarily similar. <laughs> so you're, so are you heavy into trading, Jerry? I'm actually not heavy into trading just because the legacy scene is very incestuous. So I don't play standard at all just because I don't, I can't devote the, you know, everyone says legacy's too expensive. I think standard's too expensive because I just can't keep up with rotation. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I stick with legacy and there, there isn't the same level, you know, number of legacy players as there are standard players. Mm-hmm. So being in the same area, if you know, playing legacy for the last two years, I've pretty much traded with everyone that comes into the shop. So it's almost like I've exhausted the market. Oh, no, we've only we've only done one trade, Jerry. Me yes, me, me and Adrian. I <laughs> traded Adrian a show and tell for a Savannah. <laughs> um, so it's also legacy trading. I feel happens less frequently because it's usually big ticket items, and big ticket items always take longer to set up than small ticket items. But I trade for fun, but I don't like grind trades. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I I trade you know for fun because I like the the thrill of it. 
um, uh-huh. looking for like those big cash-ins, but I, like I do enough grinding in my day job that I don't need to take that to the, to the, to the hobby store. Yeah. Some people like that. Some people like the grind. I don't even know if you can grind anymore. It's very That's hostile. Good. It's very hostile to that. And like when it, for me, it got to the point where when I was running the store, um, I didn't even, I didn't even grind. I was just like, Hey guys, I got a bunch of stuff that you guys are going to want. Expensive standard cards. I need stock. I need stuff that's going to fill these holes in this stock. Like, you know, I had a certain stuff that I wanted to stock for sure. Mm-hmm. And I had like a list. I'd come with with a list in the binder. I need these in stock. This is what I feel like Magic players want. And so I'd say, if you have these, I'll just trade you straight value. Like I don't care. Like, you know, because otherwise, like I have to set up a table at a PTQ or whatever. So I would just at that point, like it just grinding to me and all that value trading stuff. Kind of as I opened the store and as I started my own website and my own business, my focus started to shift. It wasn't about grinding value anymore. I mean, I wrote probably like three Magic Finance articles after Legit, and the rest was like F&M Hero, which was like a, a, a an article series about playing F&M with, a, with an event deck, um, you know, which I think was really popular. It was one of my favorite things to write. Um, and one of the reasons was because every week Polish tamales would make me a cartoon, you know? Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and like, I got to be like, you know, the godfather and I got to be like, uh, you know, a Jedi and <laughs> like all these super cool, uh, pictures and Polish Tamales is like off the hook and talented. So yeah. that was just such a fun thing to, uh, to write. And it wasn't, had nothing to do with value. It was just trying to play a deck, a, a, a stupid lame deck in like, in the F and M like atmosphere, you know? Um, it's actually funny. Um, I almost just realized that as we were talking, knowing the history of the stock market and comparing it to the history of magic trading uh-huh. and how the history of magic trading mirrors the history of the stock market just at a much more accelerated pace. Yeah. So, you know, at the beginning of the stock market, before the stock market even existed, people traded for what they needed. You know, I'll trade yeah. you your goat for your corn just the same way that I trade my Shivan Dragon for, for your sinkholes. For yeah. sinkholes. And then it evolved to the point where uh, people were trading for value where they're forming exchanges and they're, they're trading not because they need it anymore. They're trading for the sake of making money. Yeah. And that's where, you know, uh, a couple of years ago where you were at and then people wised up to it and it, it got to the point where it, people are so wise that you can't really take advantage of people anymore because the information's out there, smartphones and all of that. And so yeah. it's it's gotten to the point where now people are speculating, which is where a lot of the stock market was in the 20th century, where because you can't really grind out value by, you know, differences in knowledge to the same extent, yeah. people are buying cards in the hopes that they're going to go up so that they're buying low and selling high later on. Yeah. And now the stock market is on, you know, the next level where magic hasn't gotten to yet, where it's technical trading where you're using, you know, options and straddles and spreads and I yeah, you're can't... not even getting the product. You're just kind of like <laughs> yeah, oh, you're trading okay, you, the ability. <laughs> the ability to buy the product, you know. Yeah, so I can't wait for the first magic ETF. Electronic they wanted to do fund. that. I mean, they wanted to do that, but they couldn't figure out like a reasonable way to do it, you know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something or like someone came up with like options on magic cards cuz I yeah. can totally say that. Well, 
one of the biggest examples is, uh, not many people know this, but Mt. Gox, uh, for those of you who know what bitcoins are, they're, you know, yeah. an, an online, <laughs> yeah, they're an online, they're a digital currency. It's, it's kind of like PayPal, but more, like, more off the grid. Um, one of the biggest, uh, Bitcoin exchanges was the company called Mt. Gox, one of the, a huge company in Japan, uh, had billions and billions of dollars of assets, and not many people know, that Mount Gox stands for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. They, <laughs> they started as a Magic the Gathering trading <laughs> no website, and now they became their own, you know, currency exchange because they accepted bitcoins as payment, and it got to the point where the Bitcoin exchange was more profitable than selling that uh, Magic wow. cards. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I did not know that. That's it's so crazy. So are you still working for Legit MTG? Did you sell it? Like, what's what's your connection with them now? Uh, I sold it. Um, I sold it to them, and uh, they were very gracious in giving me very close to what I wanted for it. And um, I don't have much connection with them anymore. Um, I, you know, I, I get a check in the mail, and uh, and that's it, you know? Um, so so you, you get royalty payments, or...? No, no, we set up a we set up a payment plan. Okay, they're paying you as time goes on. Yeah, cool. yeah. So then I must have looked at your old Facebook profile that said you're a buyer for Legit MTG. Then yeah, that's my old one. I leave that up because uh, it just um, it has like a bunch of my uh, a bunch of people that I talked to when I was playing Magic. Yeah. Um, and so I put like my the picture of my wife and, and daughter up because um, like the last thing on my timeline. Just to show people like the full circle, like uh, when I left the community, I left on a, a kind of a scandalous note, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, you know like being reconnected with God and like I, I just kind of want to see like I really feel like like God blessed me in in my life, you know, and so I put that up on my magic profile, you know, just to be like, look, this is the end of the story, you know, in a way, because it looked like um, it looked. How can I put it? That was the profile that you must have used to find the Facebook group for this podcast, also. Yeah, yeah. So that that was the pro, that was the profile I ended up seeing, and I'm like, oh wow! I th- like I, I thought you di- you were disassociated from Legit MTG. Yeah, and yeah. So I was trying I, to figure not out. Not like, that I was want to disassociate with them. I think they're a fine company. Right, right. Um, I mean, I really like the name. You know, no, I'm just. Joking. <laughs> it seemed legit. Uh, I, I'm sad. I just went to the website and I see they took down. Oh no, it's still there. They still have the cartoon of you. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. the little the John Medina cartoon. I, it looks like Polish tamales. His style. in the movie theater. Yeah. yeah, I still get um from time to time my friends uh, will text me. Mm-hmm. And they're like, they're at a GP and they'll be like, check it out, legit MTG's here. And when I was running legit, I had a big, um, a big banner with my face on it and my business partner at the time, JR's face on it. And we oh, were in really? cartoon. I didn't know that. Yeah, we were in, we were in cartoon form and, uh, it's a big banner and it says like, we'll give you 20% off on your, tr- or 20% trade in value or something, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, they're still using that banner. So they'll be like, <laughs> Hey, Medina spotted you at the GP. And they'll like take a picture of me like behind the legit booth, you know? Uh, I'm going to do that from now on. I hope you know. <laughs> oh, I love, I love, I love it because it just kind of like, I really love the magic, the magic community and all the people that were, that were associated. That's kind of why I'm fine with doing podcasts like this and, you know, um, I love I love coming back and just seeing how people are and talking uh, because I, I do I do really like the people of the community, you know, and um, 
and the game, the game is a great game. You know, I just, uh, it's not, you know, it's not something I can, like I said, I feel like diversion is kind of an enemy to love. So, you know, this is a big diversion for me if I take it on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so, um, so yeah. But it's still good to, uh, you know, keep, keep up with old friends because you, you don't want to cut yourself off completely. Well, yeah, and I like you guys. So, I mean, I like, yeah. I like <laughs> so like, it's not like, oh, well, I got to keep up with these people, you know, it's like, right. man, I, I love to like, I love, I loved being on the 18 podcast and talking to those guys. Those guys are my bros. They, they have a special place in my heart, you know, and all the people that I met like on the road and stuff and like people that, you know, just, it's just a, a good, I kind of love, I kind of love the magic community because I feel like, um, a lot of the people in the magic community, uh, we kind of all banded together, you know, like mm-hmm. we all kind of got like rejected in some way from society, you know, yep. and we all kind of just like huddled around this game, you know, and yep. I just love that. I just love that, you know, Hey, we're, we're kind of a bunch of rejects, you know, but, um, but it's like the people are so intelligent and so, uh, you know, fun to be around and like, they don't take themselves too seriously most of the time. I mean, some of the guys do. Um, right. You know, but it's just like, I don't know. I, there's, I have a special place for this, this kind of stuff. It was like people in high school used to get picked on. I used to always try to just go over there and not that I was a cool kid, but like, I always just wanted to like, you know, hug that kid or just be like, man, like, don't worry, man. These people are idiots, you know, or. Right. Wait, you know, I want to. Yeah, I, um, so, there was a point, here's a little recent thing, um, you know, we, we're, we're talking about, we all bonded together around, you know, feeling rejected or whatever, and every once in a while I notice I'll go to, it usually, it usually seems to happen more when I'm around a standard event, um, where I'll come across people who are more, well, this is the best deck, this is the best card because the article said so, and like, they, they get really indignant, that they know something because they read it somewhere. Mm-hmm. And like, it, it, it becomes very, there, there is no, um, there's a lack of a sense of community in having any conversation when it, when it's involved with an attitude similar to that. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and so, in, Reese, okay, even, I'm trying. Even taking it to the next level too is, I always thought it was funny, like you mentioned that everyone who plays magic was kind of rejected by, you know, their, society in some way, but when there's always the news story, not news stories, but, you know, the new, the the gossip in the magic community about, you know, uh, rejecting transgendered people or, you know, mm-hmm. women in magic and all that, and I'm just, I, it just blows my mind, it's like, you were all, you know, you were rejected by the stereotypical jocks, you weren't like the cool kids in school, and yet here you are excluding someone else, putting someone else through the same uh, you know, negative feelings that you experience and what drew you to the game in the first place. It, it's kind of hypocritical almost. It is, it is hypocritical and, and it's like, but I don't, you know, it's hypocritical, but I don't hold it against anyone. And mm-hmm. the reason why is because this is something like so many people love to say, like, okay, there's so many Christians who are hypocrites, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the that's that's a fact, you know, there's so many Christians who are hypocrites, and one of the favorite things of people who are not Christians to say to a Christian is, like, you're a hypocrite. Well, and I'm not trying to let them off the hook. I don't think we should be hypocrites. I think we should be authentic, you know? Mm-hmm. I think we should be true. I think people just want to see 
you know, in this, in this, in the, in the realm of Christians and non-Christians, okay, and not, not to generalize, I understand that there's so much more, uh, stuff going on. When I say non-Christian, I don't mean to generalize everyone, but just for the sake of this conversation, um, I think when, when somebody says to a, a Christian, you're a hypocrite, um, that's true. I don't think we should be hypocrites. I'm just going through the same thing I said, sorry. <laughs> but but what I'm trying to say is I think those people who are not Christians just want to see real Christians. They just want to see people who believe what they say they believe and try their best to live by it in reality and not these like people who are just holding up this moral standard that they don't even follow themselves. Um but 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 at the core everyone is a hypocrite. And and I think you just you just kind of nail put the nail uh, hit the nail on the head when you said, "Look, there's a group of people who are rejected, and then they start rejecting other people because now we have this thing that we call our own, right? We have the magic community. And so now, before we didn't have anything we called our own, we were just rejected. And now we're rejected, and now we're part of this community. But then when you start having this thing you call your own, you start trying to draw lines, right? And say, right. well, this is what this, this is what it means to be in the magic community, and this is the kind of people that we want here. And, because I think part of that's a little bit of human nature. And so it is, it's a sad thing. I think the best thing we can do is just embrace our hypocrisy. Okay. Everyone's a hypocrite. Okay. Let's all embrace that. Mm-hmm. Everyone screws up. Okay. Let's embrace it and let's apologize. You know, you know, I think, um, one of the, th- well, all right. I was starting in a different direction, but one of the things that... uh Yeah, you were going to talk about players who have these attitudes. Yeah, but, you know, as long as we're talking about hypocrisy... Well, here's one of the things that I always... Um, so I'm not Christian, um, but I always I always like to hear these two... Um, every once in a while, I keep these two thoughts in, in mind. Uh, somebody once upon a time said something about, you know, church is just full of uh, hypocrites and sinners and so forth huh. and you know the, the counter argument to that was well do you have a better place for them well it just it just kind of put it into a perspective like you know that made it easier to take and i think as far as the player part of it goes and and the, and the rejection of certain you know however people want to get rejected like i guess one of the things right now seems to be um not the rejection, but the, uh, you know, female magic players. And that, that some people have a sense to that, and whether it's a difficulty or a challenge or what. And, I, and part of me actually, it, it must be, I think, not so much in just be, being rejected, but just in who is beating me. Like who who is actually besting me at this game at the moment? You know. Oh, so and you're talking about you're talking about guys who get beat by a girl and get having mad, a problem with girls. Get, in the get, game get, show. Her, get mad about that. Sure. Or like, it, it doesn't even have to be a girl. It could be like any, anybody that's different. Anybody that they consider, like, for example, um, so Sunday, and now back to local legacy, cause that's never happened today. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Sunday I played elves. And at the store I played, um, I ended up playing against a, a guy. I lost to him, which was cool, cause I'm glad I didn't beat him with an elf deck. But he beat me with, um, slivers. And he, <laughs> He was playing basic lands, slivers. He just showed up at the store to sell some cards, but he played this deck that, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of cool. Like, I'm glad he beat me, cause I would have felt bad if I just, like, glimpsed an hatred off and, and, like, started doing a bunch of nonsense. Um, so, he, and, and he beat me in three, and, uh, but I can see how some might be like, 
I mean, it, it felt a little bad to get beat by a plain basic land slivers deck. You know, I'm not going to lie. Um, but I think, like, at a certain point, you ask yourself when you lose, you try to see if you learn something from it. You know, and, and I think the easiest thing to do is deflect it at somebody else instead of, you know, well, why did I play a deck I'm not familiar with? You know what I mean? That type of thing. Uh, yeah, I think the point you're getting at there, too, I, I definitely see that as um, some people just have this personality about them that when they lose, they look for any reason other than it was skill. They're like, oh, I like I lost and because this person's a girl, or I lost this person so bad they must have won because of luck. Or right, right. they, they, like, there's no reason in a million years I should have lost this person, so I'm gonna be clutching at straws to find any reason to justify the fact that I lost and it would right. never happen again. Right, or, or, or why, why I need to stop that happening in the first place is, you know, I need to stop that from happening before it ever happens, so I need to reject this person and make them feel uncomfortable. Right. Well, I think it comes down to identity, like, you, you, you have an identity of yourself, you have this image of yourself, and mm-hmm. it happens also in the magic community. We have an identity as a community. We feel like we're like this. You kind of look at the community in a certain way. And I think that's what the exclusion stuff is happening because it's kind of like you tie yourself so much to the game and the community of the game that you don't, because it's so much you, you don't want to accept things that are different than you. Right. You know? and, and the same thing, kind of, if you take that more into an individualistic level where you say, um, I I am this good of a player. You kind of have this uh, self-image, okay? And when something uh, challenges, I was going to say contradicts, either one, challenges, contradicts that self-image, mm-hmm. um, then you have a, a like a crisis. You, you, yeah, an it, identity crisis. Yeah, an identity crisis. And you say, well, well, uh, either I'm not this person, and it happens in, in, in moralism, it happens in spirituality, all that stuff. You say either I'm not this person, or or something's wrong you know that yeah. and i think that's what's happening on on a on a smaller level in the magic stuff when you, i remember losing the people who i thought i was better than and i would say and it was only when i started getting like like i i top aided at star city and um and like once i started once i top aided at star city like i started feeling like i'm a better magic player you know same, same thing with me yep <laughs> feel that 100% see and and so you're like Oh, I shouldn't lose that guy. Mm-hmm. And th- th- then you start having that identity crisis, and then you start looking for a reason why you lost, other than, hey, maybe you're not that person you said you think you are. You know? Yeah. And and yep. you know what? You know what? It's okay. It's okay not to be that person. You know? Like we build these people in our brain who we think we are, and it's okay not to meet that standard. It's okay not to be that person. And um, I think so. Many, it's not okay with so many people, though. You know? Yeah, I heard one person say it's not the first top eight that's hard, it's the second. Because that's when, you know, psychology sets in where you put all this pressure on yourself that you need to live up to this expectation that when you go your the next tournament without top eighting and then the tournament without the next after that, and pretty soon it gets to the point where you get so discouraged and beat up on yourself, you're almost losing before you sit down. Yeah, yeah, that, that's definitely, there's a pressure, there's a lot of psychology that goes into that. Uh, uh the competitive magic scene, the psychology that goes there is so fascinating. It's fascinating to me. I like to think about how people think, and, you know, I think you're totally right. It's like after you top eight, you feel this pressure, and uh, and I think your group of friends are, like, celebrating your top eight, mm-hmm. but they're also pressuring you because 
uh, by you getting that affirmation and all that praise, yeah, you're you're now not wanting to leave that space, you know, right. And so, especially with with the kind of people that we're dealing with, I don't mean to generalize because I've been doing that a lot, but I'm just having a conversation, so you know, shoot me for it afterward. Um, <laughs> you know, like the kind of people, like I said, most of the magic players are re- are rejects in a way. <laughs> <laughs> and I include myself. I include myself. No, 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 no. Yeah. No, I know how you put it, but I'm just thinking, like, if you put that in that context in any other community, yeah. like, <laughs> we're, re- we're all rejected by society in some way, and we've gathered around this game. The but, House of Mitzvah toys. Yeah. <laughs> but like, that's like water to to a reject is um is this this idea of affirmation and this idea of you know of of acceptance and of praise, you know, and so um. So yeah, so in the community, we really lift up our champions, you know. Oh, definitely. And and, and we and the champions love it, and we we love it. We love to aspire to be that champion, you know. Uh, I don't it's, know. It, it's almost like it's it's the the live sporting events for people who are weren't athletes. You know, I, I was never really interested in sports growing up. I never like watched Monday Night Football or anything like that. But I love watching SEG Opens and the Pro Tour and stuff like that. You know. Oh yeah. Just it, you get that same rush that someone who's a diehard basketball fan would watching the playoffs. And you love to see someone mess up. Yeah. In top eight. <laughs> Because yeah. then you could say, man, I would have totally played that differently. Like, I would have crushed that game, you know? <laughs> exactly. I don't know. Maybe I get a different sense of the game. Like, I, I don't, uh, I'll, i I would watch SCG's Top 8 Legacy sometimes, but like, I, I don't, I don't follow the Pro Tour. I don't follow, there's a, I mean, there's, there is a world of this magic coverage that I just don't get into because I'm not playing it. It's kind of like watching somebody else play golf. Uh. And I don't, I don't golf, but like, all right, so then that's a bad example. Um, <laughs> it's, it's magic is something that I get more entertainment out of when I'm involved in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and like when I sit back and, and watch somebody else play a game, it, I, I wish I was drawing the card and knew what was happening. You know, it's just um, I don't find it to be like a spectator thing. And one of the things I actually really like too is just interacting with people and like. Maybe that could actually happen in the chat on SCG. I don't know. Like I've, I, you know, I've watched um, a couple of streams here and there. That's not even something that I terribly get into. You know, it's usually it's the interaction with people that I've actually enjoyed most about the game, and, and it happens down at the local store. There's, you know, some of the guys are just really cool to talk to and hang out with, and some of them other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> but this name um, names. No, I'm yeah. joking. <laughs> no, it's it, this. Uh, you know, I think I think sometimes there's just you know, and it's I think it's like you were talking about too, John. Where like sometimes you get this sense of who you are, and you need to defend that sense of who you are so much that every once in a while you may need to take it out on others. And I've thought about this, you know, I, I've mentioned it, you know, I, I or I joke about it, whatever. I've talked to people about it a few times. You know, I'm not. First off, I'm not good enough to go pro, but even like if, if that was actually something I thought about, it would take me so many hours of invested time, like. It would take me a lot of time and a lot of practice and a lot of everything that it would take to actually do that. And I think at the end of the day, I would make more if I just went to work. Yeah, you know, I don't like, think I, people go pro to make. Well, I, you know, I, I'm kind of speaking out turn here, but I really don't think people go pro uh, for the money. You know, I don't think it's about the money in, in a way. Is it just about the ego? Uh, not necessarily about the ego. You love the game so much that you want to be part of it. Right. You kind of want to. Um, you know, it, it's an exciting thing 
to uh, to leave a mark on the game in a way, you know? Yeah, it's, it's also the achievement factor, too. It's, it's kind of the same reason why video games have achievements and levels built into them is because, all right, I top 8 at FNM. Now I'm top 8 my PTQ. Now I'm top 8 the Pro Tour. It's just, you know, you keep going up the ladder, and you just keep getting that extra little bit of uh, that rush you get from beating the level and advancing onto the next one, and now it's the struggle to, you know, go even further than that. I don't know. That must just happen with people that are good at the game. <laughs> I think I think I'm not necessarily take, good at the game. <laughs> I don't think it's the good people who are good. It's just people who who uh, the competitive aspect appeals yeah. to. Because yeah. I think that in the competitive aspect, you're matching wits with your opponent. So like, yes. if you can measure yourself against the best opponents in the game, mm-hmm. and you can you can best them, then that okay. says something about your mental. Um, Self-image. Yeah, your, yourself, you know, it says like that you're really intelligent, you know, that you're, you're able to overcome, you know, uh, good opponents, you know? And maybe that, maybe that's why, you know, the, and, and I gotta say, that's probably why I actually gravitate towards legacy and honesty, is that it, it, it does become a part of my self-image because the people I tend to play with are intelligent guys, uh, usually professional guys, um, that are very, um, they're just intellectual, analytical, um, very thought-provoking. You can have, you know, the, conversa- the conversations tend to be deeper on almost any level that w- on anything we end up talking about. Uh-huh. It's, it's, um, it's a gentleman's format. Yes, is that exactly. <laughs> it's, wow, it's, it's, how did I end up there? <laughs> <laughs> it's the luxury format of a luxury hobby. Put your gloves on. This is a duel. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I feel that personally, um, some of my, you know, darkest and least proud moments playing the game is when I lose to someone who I view as, you know, not as intelligent, who yeah. are, you know, quote unquote bad players. Mm-hmm. When I'm playing my, you know, legacy rug delver deck and I lose to the kid packing his standard deck that just got perfect draws and I bricked. And that's when I just, I tilt so hard, and I'm like, I shouldn't have done this, there's no reason why this should have happened, but, you know, you really have to also take a step back, and I always, you know, swallow my pride, and I always offer the handshake afterwards, but that is definitely what gets me the worst, is when I lose to someone who I just, you know, whether it's true or not, I feel I'm a much better player than, and the outcome isn't isn't something I agree to. But think about this, man, think about how pumped that kid is who beats you. Def- yeah, yeah, and that's the coolest stuff, you know. Like actually, I so I played. I mean, I'll right, I'll start with my most least proud moment recently was. Uh, so I, I played Elf Sunday, and I I ended up playing against um, a guy from the store, and uh, he was playing Astro Slide. And have you ever heard of that, John? <laughs> yeah, of course. I so he starts with like turn one Living Wish Tabernacle. And I just, <laughs> I don't come back from that. And I, I sat there and I got so tilted. And, and this is, you know, this guy, um, I have interacted him probably the most, um, out of anybody that I play with. You know, we, we've, I, I love, I love playing with him because we have cool conversations and stuff. And he's, uh, he's, he's, he's just an individual who refuses to play blue. 
<laughs> and, and I got a lot of respect for him. He he plays a lot of griefer decks. He plays like you know death and taxes or pox or astroslide or whatever. But I got so tilted because I couldn't keep a creature on the board that I was acting like a three year old <laughs> with with a wet diaper. It was so terrible. Right. Um. And I thought about it later on, and I you know I reached out to him, and I'm like you know I, I'm sorry about. It. And he, he wasn't taking it personal because like. You know, we've had interactions in the past where, like, he, mm-hmm. there's, there's only respect between us. You know, it's, uh, yeah. but I get, I got, but I realized that I was in such a state of tilt that I was actually setting a bad example for anybody else around me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, that was my least proud moment recently. Yeah. Yeah, I've done stuff like that. I mean, my friend Eugene, who I used to play with in Vermont, um, he, uh, used to play like these just crazy decks that like you know they're like hanging on by a thread and sometimes he pulls it off you know mm-hmm. and um man he crushed me with that with a deck like that and i was so pissed off it was at a local <laughs> it was at a local tournament and i was just pissed cuz i felt like he he was what he was doing was sinkholing my land yeah he was like wasteland you and then i'm like <laughs> no no it was like dark ritual sinkhole uh. Wasteland. <laughs> and then he was like, sinkhole. And it was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, are you serious, like, right now? Crucible of worlds. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, all I remember was the sinkhole, sinkhole, sinkhole. And like, and wasteland, sinkhole, wasteland. And, uh, and like, man, when he was done, he was like, good games, Medina. And he's like, kind of just bouncing around, like, and he wasn't yeah. being a jerk. He was just like, good right. games, man. He kind yeah. of felt bad, you know? Yeah. And I was like, no, those weren't good games. <laughs> And, yeah. and he's like, he reaches his hand to shake my hand. I'm like, no, no, not gonna do it, man. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, are you serious? Are you serious right now, Medina? You're not gonna shake my hand? And I'm like, dude, no, not gonna do it. I'm like, that was not a good game. So like, get, just get out of here, dude. <laughs> well, the funny thing, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah, sorry. so it's just like, he was like blown away because he had never seen me so mad. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I went outside and just got a f- breath of fresh air. And then I came up to him, I gave him a hug. I'm like, Dude, I'm sorry, man. Like, you yeah. just got me in, you got me in the guts, man. That one. Like, <laughs> yeah, go, going back to what you were saying earlier, it's like, think how pumped the kid is. That's why I, as my personal rule, is I'll always, you know, extend the hand, especially if it's a younger kid. Because like you said, it's just because you're having a bad experience right there doesn't mean you need to ruin it for both of you. Uh, at least, at least they can come out, you know, feeling pretty good, especially if it is, you know, someone new to the format or, uh, a, a kid just getting into it because you don't want to be the person that causes them to never play magic ever again because they played against the, the guy who couldn't handle a loss and just made them feel terrible and unwanted. Right, right. So even, yeah. no matter how bad I'm tilting, I always try and be, uh, uh, you know, somewhat respectful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, um, I know one of the, uh, things with the, my buddy that I was talking about was he usually plays griefer decks, so he's used to guys like just <laughs> getting apps. Oh yeah, and you know, it's, I don't think I don't think he gets a kick out. He's just used to it, so like he blows it off like a grain of sand. Yeah. Um, you know, the other thing about you know people with the idea that legacy decks are just so powerful and they can't keep up with them. And this one kid I played one day, I had like blue red Omni show together, and uh, he's like, yeah, I'll play. And he had like, his standard deck. He wanted he wanted to play me. I'm like, sure. And we sat down and played, and I go like, I'm at the point, I got Force of Will in hand, show, and show and tell, and Omniscience, and I'm ready to combo out. And he's got my life total down low, cause he's been attacking me with aggro guys. Uh-huh. So I've got Force of Will back up, and I'm ready to cast off, and I cast show and tell, and he casts counterflux. 
like, can't be counted. And I'm like, D-, and, he, and he ended up killing me. And I'm like, see, it doesn't matter that you um, play in that deck, dude. You could just play that anyway. Legacy is open to anything. Yep. Like, uh, who, I'm never prepared for counter flux. Yeah, you never know how the match is. As, if, so long as you're not playing a turn one combo deck, there's plenty of reasons why you would lose to a standard deck. Uh, my, yeah. my favorite uh, part of something like that is when uh, I set up my combo and then I used to do this with Storm sometimes. Um, uh, like I'm protecting it or, or I don't know if it was Storm, but uh, I set up my combo and I'm ready to go and I have forcible backup. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to execute the combo and then uh, realize that I'm at one life. <laughs> it's like oh even like force okay i'll force it yeah oh, and that's that's what i kept looking at with that tabernacle i'm like well i can keep a creature but i can't glimpse yep <laughs> this hurts that's, that's the other thing is uh when you're at one life and you need one more man and all you have is a fetch it's a fetch land yeah you're yep. just like oh uh, and then they play urborg and you're like oh <laughs> Mr. Medina, it was a pleasure having you on, sir. And I, I don't say it, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not joking when I say I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't uh, for hearing you years ago on uh, the A-Team. Well, thank you. I'm really, I'm really happy to be on, and uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you guys. I am really sorry we didn't get into magic that much. Um, I did study. I looked at the spoiler. <laughs> I looked at the top eight deck list. Um, uh, well, I mean, anytime you want to come back on and, uh, you know, showcase a little of that knowledge, you're more than welcome to. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, man. I think what just, we did talk about was uh, was really good, though. So. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It was good for the soul. It felt felt good. Yeah. And then, uh, plus, I do some editing anyway, and so we'll see. But the, um, I have fucking no idea what the hell. Um, <laughs> Hence, this part will be edited. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, so, yeah, when Medina gets mouthy, we're just going to edit him out. <laughs> <laughs> no. We're uh, going to replace the word God with uh, orange. <laughs> the other thing is, is uh, I'm sure, well, no, the other the other thing is I'm sure me and, uh, me and Jerry normally do like a scoop into top eight. Yeah. Maybe we'll do like um, Medina had to drop early. So <laughs> as you drop early, who would you like to scoop into top eight? Yeah, um, man, I'd like to scoop you guys into top eight. Um, I appreciate you. Yeah, I, I, I got a lot of people to scoop into top eight though, you know? I want to scoop you guys in. I want to scoop in my... <laughs> yeah, is, do I only get eight? No, I mean, you can, you can well, just you usually scoop one person into top eight. <laughs> Whatever you want to do. If you want to scoop in a whole Twitter <laughs> army. <laughs> wow, that's but, right. You can only scoop one person into top eight, huh? No, whatever you want to do. No, like I have to follow the rules, man. No, no, Jerry, nah, Jerry scooped I, in 16 last week. Going no, no, that's fine, dude. You know what? If I have to scoop one person in the top eight, I gotta scoop Jesus in the top eight. You know what? Actually, I don't have to scoop him in because he's already there. Yeah. He's already I mean, in top eight. I think it's good because, uh, we asked Frankie this question and he scooped in his mom. <laughs> so I think that's a good follow-up. <laughs> Frankie's fucking awesome. Oh my god, is Frankie awesome. But no, he's Medina, you, you can scoop oh, you, as many as you want. <laughs> and the only other thing I did want to mention, and I'm sure you don't even remember this because it was so trivial, but it stuck with me. I, I'm, I'm listening to a crazy talk one day 
and you were trying to tell a story, and Haynes like, would you just spit it out? And you're like, I would, but KYT won't shut his mouth. And then, like, for the, <laughs> every that. other episode of freaking Crazy Talk and like the first 75 of the A-Team, he never said anything. <laughs> oh, man, I remember that. <laughs> he wasn't even talking. Oh, no, he was saying something, but it wasn't a lot. He was barely yeah. saying something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, but thanks a lot, guys, and... uh and thanks for listening. If you're still here, if you're still around listening, I appreciate it. And if you guys want to hit me up on Twitter, uh, I'm sure the boys will leave my Twitter in the, in the, in the show notes. Yeah, so, I'll throw it in the show notes. You can yeah. say it out audibly anyway. Like, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at Jonathan D. Medina, uh, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-D-M-E-D-I-N-A on Twitter. And so I'm always open to discuss everything and anything. Sweet. And then you're scooping the top eight. Who are you, who are you putting in there? I mean, if I, you know, if I, I'm so thankful for, um, I'm so thankful for Meredith, my wife, and I'm thankful for my daughter, uh, mm. Maya, and uh, I just love those two, and you know, um, and I'm just, I'm blessed, I'm blessed to have them, and I'm grateful for you guys bringing me on, and I love my 18 bros. I hope they listen. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we appreciate you coming on with us, John. Yeah, thanks for having me again. And then, uh, like I said, hit me up anytime. Yep. We talk more about God at some point. Yep. Yeah, sure. I love talking about the Lord. So, uh, you know, you guys are always, uh, feel free to invite me on for anything. I mean, we could talk about, you know, yeah. uh, current yeah. issues or whatever. Yeah, if you end up, and if you, even if you pick up a, in a tournament, you're like, hey, you know what? I think I want, if you, if you want to come on, if you end up playing, I know you said you were doing some, every once in like six months, I think you said you do like some EDH with some friends. Yeah, like, uh, last time I played was probably six or eight months ago. I played some EDH with some friends, and, uh, we're gonna do that, uh, we're gonna do that this, <laughs> hi honey. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, uh, my two loves say hello to the podcast. <laughs> hello, Meredith. How's yeah. it going? I was just I talking about the priorities of family and uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> See now now the juxtaposition moves to the other end of it. I know I'm getting early. So anyways, yeah, I'm gonna do some EDH uh that's gonna be going down. Okay. Well <laughs> um, if you if you if you do end up picking up a legacy tournament, you wanna come tell us about it, you feel free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even even EDH right. too. And uh, and uh we'll let you get going to your wife and daughter. Cool, thanks a lot guys. Hey thanks John. Alright, be good. Alright, bye. bye. Round two pairings have been posted. Wow, so that was cool having Medina on. Yeah, that was definitely awesome. Uh, if for all of our listeners still with us, uh, as promised, <laughs> we're going to get into some legacy stuff now. Hope you guys enjoyed the, the little <laughs> sidebar. <laughs> uh, so you would, so you wanted to talk about SCG? Top or yeah, you want to go? We'll go macro and then go local because we also had a we had a pretty fun Sunday too. But touching on the SCG top uh, top sixteens, even top sixteen was real sweet. Your favorite Tin Fins came in sixteenth, labeled as Shallow Grave Reanimator. <laughs> yes, uh, Celso did point that out to me. Yep, I also <laughs> like that Celso pointed out a deck straight from my own heart, uh, Phyrexian Dreadnought Bug Delver. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm glad he pointed that out because I didn't even bother pulling that. Like, with all the established decks, you know, whenever I see Rug Delver, Miracles, Elves, I don't really bother looking at the deck list because it's probably just going to be the same, only one or two cards different. Mm-hmm. But Celso pointed out that the one that came in 14th place last Sunday was running Phyrexian Dreadnought and Stifle. 
And looking at that list, I really want to give it a whirl because I haven't picked up Bug Delver in a while now. And I think when I do pick it back up, I'm going to be picking up this version that a uh, John Wiley made. Uh, basically very similar to regular Bug Delver, but it looks like he shaved uh, the slots usually reserved for either Liliana or uh, Dark Confidant and instead replaced it with Phyrexian Dreadnought. Yeah, okay. Yeah, there's no Planeswalkers at all. Yeah, Liliana had already fallen out of favor just because with Treasure Cruise, uh, it's she's not as good. Her plus, oh, she's she's got to be so slow to just the Monastery Swift Spear too. Yeah, Red Delver. That too, and also Treasure Cruise also pushed Bob out of the format because no one wants to be running Dark Confidant when they're running eight converted mana cost spells in their deck. Unless they're Jerry. Unless they're me. <laughs> like I've seen, I've, I've seen you with Dark Confidant and Grizzlebrand in the same deck. Uh, not Dark Confidant and Emmercool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Dark Confidant's fallen out of favor in Bug Delver, same with Iliana. So, I mean, the slots opened up, and I do really like Phyrexian Dreadnought. Um, I don't know if this is going to be the Dreadnought version of choice once Fate Reforged comes out and we get the new Manifest to play with, but we'll mm-hmm. we'll touch on that later, too. But the list definitely looks very sweet. And I'm sure you noticed the Grixis Control deck also with Dak Faden. Yep, Grixis Control, very, uh, almost card for card what I'm playing online right now, so love that deck. Uh, and then what I really like is in second place we had Bant Deathblade, which we touched mm-hmm. on before, which is a sweet deck. Uh, definitely something I want to give a whirl again when I uh, get a chance. And then Jeskai Ascendancy won the event, which I think is awesome. That's that's probably the coolest highlight to this, uh, you know, for me. It's and you know I, I I am nobody to knock anything out of any six you know top sixteen in an SCG open, but when I when I look at this shallow grave reanimator deck, it looks like a bad version of Tin Fins and a bad version of reanimator. I don't know, man. Like I'm used to Tin Fins, just everything in the sideboard protects the combo. Like to go into transformational sideboards always makes the deck seem kind of awkward and. and more fragile. I know the Doomblade version has uh, a little affinity to me, but it's it, it's one of the things I've always heard about trans- transformational sideboards anyway, but then again, who am I to knock anything in this top 16 in SCG? So. Oh yeah, I didn't actually realize that he, he transforms into traditional reanimator. Which is, yeah, like Iona and Elishnorn and things to wipe the board and exhumes. Yeah, I also don't agree with that because the way most people are going to be countering Shallow Grave is with Graveyard Hate. So cage, yeah, yeah exactly. Like cage. <laughs> there's, there's no show and tells. Yeah, there's no. It's just. It's. I mean, you're basically just changing your win condition, but you're still winning the same way. You're still winning it, as a graveyard deck. So that transformational sideboard doesn't help you in the cases where you want to transform the most in in the ability to do- dodge graveyard hate. I don't. I don't. I don't fully understand the point of the spell pierce, but the only thing I can actually see out of this deck that does look um, highly not evolutional, but um, valid anyway, is the, is the access to Abrupt Decay. Yeah, I was talking to Celso about that earlier uh, today on Twitter, too, uh, that it's pretty common now for uh, reanimator decks to splash a bayou or a tropical island in order to gain access to Abrupt Decay, because mm-hmm. it answers a lot of the cards that are a problem for reanimator decks, uh, namely Deathrite Shaman, Graft Digger's Cage, Rest in Peace... Uh, all these very common answers to that are really big problems for the deck. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely see Abrupt Decay uh, being in the sideboard of Tin Fins. I don't like the rest. I don't like you know bringing in more Exhumes and Reanimates and Elishnorn and Iona. I would feel differently if that, that those two Exhumes and the Reanimate were three Show and Tell. 
because yeah. that way you get around the whole graveyard hate problem. Yeah. Um, all right, so anything else at the macro level? Uh, SCG, yeah, I mean, the rest of it's pretty... pretty. Uh, oh, the, uh, the other one I wanted to point out was the Mono Black Pox list. Just because <laughs> I want to give uh, Curtis Frazier, the Mono Black Pox uh, pilot, a uh, big swag... <laughs> Giant swag credit because looking at his list, it's probably the most expensive monocolored list I've ever seen. <laughs> Drawing two Tabernacle, two Nether Void, uh, three Chains of Mephistopheles. <laughs> so, oh, and also two Abyss in the sideboard. So, big props to him for running the most pimped out uh, mono black deck ever. <laughs> his balls hang low. Yes. <laughs> So I just wanted to give props to him, because when I saw that, I'm like, yes, yes, this is awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, anything else at the macro stand out to you? Um, I mean... It's, I think it's interesting seeing the Omnitel within the top four. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that kind of goes against my prediction I had a couple episodes ago, that non-blue combo decks would be see more play, since of all the uh, red elemental blasts. And the strange thing is actually seeing it with Isichem and Volcanic Islands. Yeah, um, that was something that Show and Tell experimented with a while. Yeah. Um, but it is a charm's a very good card. It's just it, it kills you when you only have one man up, and you need that is a charm. Yeah, no, I, it's uh, you know I'm a proponent for the Burning Wish Omni Show deck anyway, mm-hmm. and it looks like it's kind of gone back to this. Um, Definitely, I, I think it's also because some of the cards that were the biggest problem for Omnitel were uh, Thalia and then Spirit of the Labyrinth, and okay. Is the Charm is a really good answer for those while also not having to give up a counterspell slot. You're still keeping the counterspell slot while having conditional removal for those one-toughness creatures, that those hate bears that give you a big problem. All right, anything else macro, or are you ready to go micro? Uh, well, I, this isn't really macro as far as FCG, but I just had uh, one spoiler I wanted to point out. Uh, did you see Reality Shift? Is that That's the one you were tweeting out earlier? Yeah, yeah, this, <laughs> this is the card. As soon as they spoiled Manifest, this is the card I was waiting for. Uh, so okay. Reality Shift, for those who haven't seen it yet, is one colorless, one blue. It's an instant, and it says, Exile Target Creature. That right there is impressive because... It's not very often that blue gets unconditional removal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's awesome. So right there, that's big ups for blue. And then it says its controller manifests the top card of his or her library. This card, on the surface, doesn't look super powerful, but it's so powerful in the way that it can be used. Because it's both a removal spell and a combo piece. And I don't can't even think of another example of when that's happened before. So... In a pinch, you can use it on your opponent's Tarmogoyf, or their, even better, their Grizzlebrand, and turn their huge threat into a 2-2 manageable bear. So in a pinch, I can use this to get rid of the thing that's going to kill me. Where it really gets interesting is when you use it on your own guy, like maybe a Trinket Mage that you use to find a Phyrexian Dreadnought that you brainstorm to the top of your deck, and turn that Trinket Mage into a Phyrexian Dreadnought. So, best case scenario, you can turn a token or a, a utility creature that you already got the value out of and mm-hmm. turn it into the combo piece for manifesting in a Phyrexian Dreadnought. Or, what's really good, which puts it over the top for me, is that you can use it as removal in a pinch. So, I'm right now brewing a mono-blue Phyrexian Dreadnought deck, running Stifle, Reality Shift, 
Trinket Mage, Sensei's Divining Top, Counterbalance, Jace the Mind Sculptor, and even I think I'm going to throw Thassa in there <laughs> because there's going to be a lot of blue blue pips, as they like to call them. Oh, okay. Oh, that's weird. I was I was looking at the spoilers because there's um the only the only one that I actually was thinking about mentioning because I I saw this and I thought well that's actually kind of cute is a red one Alicia who smiles at death. A red and two colors. Oh yeah, that card looks sweet. <laughs> well, the only thing I was actually thinking about it was that would be a cute way to just non-counterably bring the painted servant back out of the graveyard long enough to activate the grindstone. Uh, Whenever Alicia, who smiles at death, attacks, you may pay a hybrid black-white. Well, two hybrid black-white. Um, if you do, return target creature card with power two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield, tapped and attacking. Oh, the the painter servant. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I misunderstood. I thought you were talking about bringing the grindstone back. Like, wait, what? Uh, no, no, no. Yeah, no. Just pulling the painter servant back. Yeah. No, that's like it's. You, you'd have to have the grindstone. It's very, very conditional. But it's like the. I was. I when I saw it earlier. I, the only thing I thought of was like, well, it's red, mm-hmm. and Jerry's also playing a, a, Goblin Welder. Yeah, three two first strike for three is also nothing to laugh at. Like that's right, right. pretty good, and I do like that because sometimes with the traditional grindstone, uh, painted stone decks. Sometimes they just play as a control deck. They make everything blue, and they get Jala, uh, what is it, the Jala Task Mage, yeah, who can destroy things. So they turn into a control deck, and then they just beat you down with, like, a Simeon Spirit Guide. Mm. Um, So I can definitely see that uh, playing a role as a way to bring up, bring back Painted Servants that were either milled, yeah, countered, put, yeah, bolted, milled to your graveyard, something like that, or also just being an alternative win condition when the combo isn't possible. And I'm I'm curious to see if there's anything that ever happens with Warden of the First Tree, but I haven't seen anything with that red-white guy either, but... It's a bad, uh, what's the Kifkin name? Uh, what's what's it called? Spirit of the... The red-white one? Yeah, the red-white. Figure of Destiny. Figure of Destiny, yeah, so Figure of Destiny used to be a legacy playable card, it's not really a legacy playable card anymore, and Warden is just a worse version of, of that. Other one I really like is Humble Defector. Okay. Because that's something Red has not ever seen. <laughs> Humble Defector is one colorless and a red for a 2-1. And it says tap, draw two cards. Mm-hmm. Don't discard any. Just draw two cards. Uh, then target opponent gains control of Humble Defector. Activate yeah. this ability only during your turn. Yep. So what's really cool with that is you can activate it, put the ability on the stack, and then either sack it or bounce it back to your hand. You get still get to draw the two cards, and then your opponent doesn't gain control of it. Uh, no, you're incorrect. Why? Because it's got the colon after the tap. Drawing two cards isn't part of the activation cost. It's part of the resolution. It's not a colon. It's a period. No, oh, just, bef- uh, just before I draw two cards. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about the, the separation. No. Tap is the activating ability? Yep. So when it resolves, you're going to draw two cards and target opponent gains control of it. That's all in the resolution. Uh, is that true? I thought you can... You thought you could pass priority between every period? No, not the not the periods. Those happen at the same time, but the ability right. is on the stack... It's not mm-hmm. in play anymore, so they. Oh, oh, oh! I see what it. you're saying. I see what you're saying. It's going to try to resolve everything. It yeah, can. no, you don't. You don't do it. In I got you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's going to try and All resolve right. everything you can. You draw the two cards, and then target yep. opponent gains control of it. Yeah. But because it's not in play anymore, there's nothing for right. them to gain control of. Yep. So, so no, I see. 
I get you. Yeah, so so that that does work. You still get uh, you get to draw two cards, and then your opponent gets left out. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you were saying uh, yeah, it was the, the I think it was the way I heard it. It sounded like it was like tap it, draw two cards, and then bounce it to your hand. Oh no, yeah, no, I'm saying like you tap it <laughs> yeah. and then bounce. Uh, the other really cool thing is because this is also in uh, standard uh, with Kiora's follower. Um, Kiora's follower is untapped target permanent, so you can tap it to put the ability on the stack. Use Kiora's follower to untap it activate it again and then bounce it <laughs> and then that way you get two you get a you get four cards and your opponent gets none wait a minute wait a minute how does jeez i wonder if, i wonder if there's a way that that's going to end up really ugly with just guy ascendancy uh possible but all right so anyway um all right so not a whole hell of a lot out of the spoilers Really? Yeah, more more of just sweet things rather than game breaking things. I think uh, Wizards has definitely been more careful lately about just print. I actually, I probably shouldn't even say that because they just printed Treasure Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> but nothing. There's no there's no Treasure Cruise of this set yet. But there's definitely some sweet things that are going to be really fun to play with in Legacy. Is that is that spoiler set aside? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think we got spoilers. Okay. Uh, you want to bring in a little local level? <laughs> yeah, let's, I want to, I want to, well, alright, tell me about your Sunday. What'd you play Sunday? Uh, so, fulfilled my New Year's resolution, everyone. I put together, uh, Grixis Welder and brought that to the tournament on Sunday. So, <laughs> New Year's resolution checked off. That's what I'm going to be focusing on. <laughs> that I checked it off the list. Yeah. Uh, I went 2-2 two, two, and basically a draw. The last round was we were both already knocked out, so we, he decided to play his standard deck against me, his uh, Abzan Whip. And okay. it, we played five games, and it was like 3-2. to two. I was surprised that the Abzan Whip took two games off of it. Hmm. But in the four rounds I was live in, I went 2-2. Two and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Round one, I versed the Slivers guy that you mentioned earlier with Medina. Mm-hmm. Um, so I beat him. Uh, round two, I versed Josh playing uh, Grixis Landstill. Uh, th- okay. That, those were very good games, very close. Uh, he beat me. Basically, it came down all, all three games to uh, the you know a turn away. Um, he beat me. I was a turn away from winning. I beat him. He was a turn away from winning. And then he beat me, and I was a turn away from winning. So very good, very close games. Mm-hmm. Uh, round two... I lost to Infect, which was mm. disheartening. That's that is something that I learned because Slivers took a game off me as well. And Infect is the Welder deck is uh, a little soft to aggro, so mm. definitely need to shore that up in the sideboard. It's not completely dead. Um, it's just you need to be oh, able to stabilize in order to get the control of the game. Mm. And then in round four. Uh, uh, oh, I played the mirror match in round four, <laughs> and I won the mirror match. Wait, wait, your Grixis, what? <laughs> Grixis, mirror match? Grixis Painted Stone playing... The, I was definitely running the more greedy version. Uh, okay. It was, it was uh, our buddy James. He was running a more traditional Painted Stone version. I was running the, the All the Greed, where I just jammed every artifact combo ever into one deck. Uh, you know, Thopter Foundry, Grindstone... Welder, uh, uh, worm coil engine, basically everything. He was just running the straight up one. And I won because I had more greed. <laughs> um, and one of my favorites was he put a paint- Hold on, hold on, hold on, Jerry. Yes. It sounds like you just ate your microphone. <laughs> 
Ah, uh, it's because of the greed. The greed. Okay. <laughs> yep. Uh, game one, one of my favorite moments was he put a, uh, painter's servant in play. So I, um, used Dak Faden's ability to draw to mill to milling a grindstone and then using, uh, welder to weld grindstone into play and activate it. Okay. Uh, so that was good. Also in that game, I was able to pull off, uh, what I set off to do with the deck, and that is to have Dak Faden and Chains of Mephistopheles in play at the same time. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna need CJ for that one. <laughs> yeah, we, I knew what was gonna happen, and we still had to call the judge over, which then resulted in like three or four people also coming over, and all debating yeah. about what should happen. <laughs> so, so, just out of curiosity, so what happens? Your opponent discards two and you draw two? No, with Dak Faden, you activate Dak Faden targeting your opponent, Yep. Your opponent discards two cards, draws two cards, then discards two cards. Unless the oh oh oh, I'm, all right, I'm thinking of the notion thief with it. Okay. Yeah, with notion thief. The, um, unless what was confusing is my opponent only had one card in hand. Right. So so they have, but each draw happens separately anyway. So they have to draw three and discard three. No, They'll draw th- what, one at a time. They draw, discard, draw, discard. What it is is they discard. They discard the only card they have in hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, mill one, yep. and then discard, but there's no cards left in hand, so it's just, they discard their card, and then they mill one off the top of the deck. A- and then they draw but one, they, right. and then discard that one. So the order of events is... Oh, oh, because of Dak Faden's, the rest of his the rest of his dis- the, Yeah, the rest of okay. his discard ability is because they still All have right. to discard two cards. So it's discard the card, mill one, draw one, discard it. Discard so it. it's effectively yeah. milling two. Yeah, well, discarding one and milling two. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, see, even knowing what happens, we're still confused. <laughs> yeah. All right. But that was pretty sweet. And then uh, I was dead for top four because I was two and two. So uh, we played uh, a fun game. And uh, Abzan Whip is actually really fun to play against because they can come back from the controlliness of it. You know, between Hornet Queen and. Uh, Whip and Siege Rhino, they were able to keep pace, so it was actually really fun games. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I learned about the deck that I loved is the deck can recover from a mulligan like no one's business. I won a game where I mulled to four, and it was because I just got uh, Baleful Strix Goblin Welder going, mm-hmm. and you just draw so many cards that way. And my one of my favorite games is I had two Goblin Welders, a Baleful Strix, and a Worm Coil Engine. And I was literally... Sack the Baleful Strix, bring Worm Coil Engine back. Uh, sack the Worm Coil Engine, put two tokens into play, put Baleful Strix back into play, draw a card. Then do it all over again, uh, you know, swing with, swing with the Worm Coil Engine, and your opponent just can't keep up because you're putting, you're putting two three threes into play plus drawing a card for just tapping your welders. So. The deck can recover from a mulligan like no one's business. Uh, the only thing I would change is probably put uh, one or two more sweepers in the sideboard, uh, maybe some more targeted removal to just keep up with the aggro decks like elves, merfolk, uh, you know, slivers, which we ran into, but so on with that. How'd, uh, how'd your Sunday go? Um, well, all right, so I ended up sleeving up elves. Um, I don't know what else I had with me, but I know I had elves with me because that's what I ended up playing. <laughs> and... Uh, I figured I'd just play it because if I'm not going to play Elves, why the hell did I put it together? And um, my round one, I actually played against a guy. Well, I ended up playing against Scapeshift, which I can't think of the last time I faced Scapeshift in Legacy. Um, and he got me. 
Um, yeah. I don't remember if he got me in two or got me in three, but as soon as I saw the Veteran Explorer, I wasn't sure where we were going. And then I started seeing uh, Valakut, and I just... I guess I, I guess I wasn't getting pieces fast enough. I don't know, but he kept me kept, kept me back, kept me down. Um, so I lost to him, and then round two I played against uh, Astroslide, which was my uh, uh, I guess my moral downfall of the day, really, because um, you know I, I I got certainly griefed. He got a you know turn one Living Wish Tabernacle, and I just couldn't get out of it. And then as soon as I started to get anything down, he just Astroslide stuff out. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, a little bit disheartening. On, on a similar topic, you know, I was making, uh, I was, I was acting very immaturely. And, um, you finished out the day, you know, playing against Slivers, and, um, yeah, I don't even remember where I placed or what my record was. Now, so when I left, and there was a, there was a lot of guys there, and, uh, so somebody had extended out to me and, and mentioned something about Persona, and, uh, I just kind of mentioned that, you know, some people, some people have their personalities, and, uh, but not everybody carries themselves that way. And it made me realize that I probably had set a bad example. So the guy that was playing Astroslide, I, I extended myself out to, to let him know that, uh, I saw, I saw the folly of my play anyway, that I shouldn't have been acting like that. And of course he didn't, he wasn't taking it personal because, right. you know, he, he's, we're, um, we like playing together. You know, I like playing with him. Um, there may be times he doesn't like playing with me because I'll break out 10 fins or something, but there's, um, so that's about how my day went. Uh, I guess that covers uh, local. <laughs> yeah. I guess that covers local. So I've got I got a few ideas on what I want to sleeve up this week, and uh, I probably should do something consistent as opposed to breaking out a good deck every once in a while that I'm not terribly familiar with, like sneak and show one week and then elves the next. Yeah, you got. Uh, sometimes you just kind of need to pick a deck and stick with it for a bit, especially the combo decks. Just because you really need to know the lines of play and the ability, you know, knowing your outs. Whereas fair decks, you can just play creatures and try and win. Combo decks is, I need to do this in this order, otherwise I will lose. Well, some of them I've played before. I'm just, uh, I'm not, you know, I mean, I've played elves before. I Personally, when I play elves, you know, this was just a, a build that I put together. It wasn't a build that I had done up myself. Um, and I understand the validity of a Dryad Arbor, especially in the face of a Jit. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't like a Dryad Arbor in an Elf deck. I, I, I find it just slows me down. I'm not terribly yeah. convinced on it. And I, I think I would rather see a crop rotation than a Dryad Arbor, but that's just personal preference, and if that's really what I want to do, I can put that deck back together. Um, so, I think that probably covers some of the local stuff at the moment. Yeah, we we had a... That was a, a very good, very long conversation, so... Uh, I have... Well, there's another, Jerry. I have, ah. news that I have, I have more news for news? you. News? Um, well, first off, um, did you see... Did you see the uh, tentative proxy grizzle brands that I made? I did, I did. They do look very, very sweet. Uh, okay, so I've, I've got one made up, and I've got a couple of things that I can... Uh, I know this weekend's your birthday. You're not going to be down I, there. Sadly, no. Um, it, it's too bad, too, because it sounds like you're going to miss breakfast. I know. Uh, I've got some breakfast planned. I like your theory that uh, you've never seen me and Celso in the same place at the same time, <laughs> so it's very possible we're the same person. <laughs> yeah. So so that's too bad that you won't be there Sunday. Yeah. That's, uh, that's also local news. Now, um, aside from that, there is more of news related to this podcast. Oh, really? Yes. Um, so we're both familiar with the Leaving a Legacy uh, logo. 
Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So when we started doing this, I made that up. And, um, nice little Microsoft I, I, Word editing. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I just did something real quick, just that it wasn't the standard MTG Cast logo, and it was actually something that was ours. Well, Evan Nyquist uh, found me on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm going to read this little thing to you. He says, uh, hey, man, I'm a big fan of the podcast. I wanted to make you guys a new logo header for leaving a legacy. If you don't like it, no worries. If you do like it, uh, use it. Absolutely no charge or owed favors. I'm just a huge fan of Legacy and love your podcast. I do design professionally, and I think I could make you something nice to contribute to what you guys do. If interested, let me know and give me a week and a half, and I'll set and I'll have you set up. I have some cool ideas, but if any particular cards you want me to add to the design, just let me know. I would love for you guys to have the best logo on MTG Cast. Thanks again for the podcast, Evan. That is so nice. Isn't that? That is fucking dope, isn't it? Yeah, so long as uh, owed favors are, you know, like, back alley hand jobs. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing was, is, like, I had been thinking about that logo, and I'm like, well, I'm screwing around with some other software. Maybe I'll do that while I'm at it. But uh, yeah, he's, that's he's, awesome. he's kind of beat me to it, so I'm kind of curious to see. I'm kind of curious to see, you know, if, and if it's something that can end up fitting on MTG Cast, and that's dope, too. Yeah. You know, either that's way, it can humbling. end up... Very humbling. Very Yeah. So, um, so I know... You weren't aware of that, so I figured I'd uh, share that little news with you because I was thinking about that recently. I'm like, yeah, I wonder. I'm wondering. Like, I was. I started to think about some sort of like, I, I don't know. What would I'll have to see where we go. Yeah, anyway, who knows? Who, who knows? After after like Medina and God and stuff, is anybody even? <laughs> I don't think we would have driven them away that much. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I'll have to see if I can edit it into a tasteable conversation. But I'm pretty sure I can do that because uh, you know, hanging out with Medina was was pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> So, uh, should we, the, the, I think that covers local spoilers, uh, podcast related stuff. Uh, yeah, um, I, I think that's it. Think, and, oh, actually, we're going to have a lot to talk about next episode, too, because it's going to be the Philadelphia, uh, legacy. It's going to be the first Star City Games legacy style GP thingamabob <laughs> that they're doing. So, hopefully, there's going to be some sweet things coming out of that we'll be able to talk about next week. Actually, I guess while we're also on still cast related stuff, um, CJ sounds like he was, uh, he, he enjoyed it and he's, he's looking forward to doing it again. I felt bad I didn't message him we were recording this week, but I knew we were going to be recording with Medina and like, I didn't know where we'd end up. Yeah. Um, I actually have a list of questions brewing for CJ that I've been running into. <laughs> I'll, I'll let him know that, I'll let him know that you just picked up a chains and you're going to have a lot of questions about it. Uh, I have a different, oh, actually, real, real quick, real quick, uh, the, uh, Jerry Thompson posted the awesome Vengevine Fauna Shaman. I'm not even going to get into it now. We'll save it for next episode. But if you guys haven't seen it yet, go on Star City Games and look at uh, Jerry Thompson's Fauna Shaman Vengevine deck. It looks sweet. But the reason why I remember is because I wanted to ask CJ how Basking Rootwalla plus Vengevine plus Fauna Shaman work. Okay. And if there's a way to you know cheat Vengevines into play for free with Basking Rootwalla, if Madness ca- uh, counts... And you know what what the stacking is as far as you know discarding to fauna shaman to find vengevines. All right, now I gotta interrupt <laughs> you there because you know what CJ's probably gonna say first. Uh, read the card. We're gonna start by reading the card. Yes. And you know what I'm you know what I'm not gonna do right now. Read the card. Read the card. <laughs> <laughs> more more spoilers for next week, everyone. <laughs> yep yep teasers I guess. Yep. Uh, so let's see what else. I think that's. Um, yeah, I think that's it. I think for that's there. Good, I guess yeah. we're ready to go. Ready to go in the top eight. Yeah, let's scoop, let's scoop someone in. Top eight.
pairings have been posted. So, Jerry, who would you like to scoop into top eight this week? Um, I mean, I think I have to scoop Medina in just because, you know, they say never meet your heroes because they'll disappoint, but they, man, they're wrong. They're wrong. Seriously, <laughs> <laughs> and also, you know, uh, Medina was, you know, the nicest guy, awesome to hang out with, so I'd love if he comes on in the future. Uh, also, I mean, Evan offering to do the logo, that's super sweet and super sick of you, so definitely appreciate that. All right, that's it. You just got those two. Yeah, I'll go with you. Just die. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna scoop in Medina too. Um, you know, just hitting him up, being able to talk with him here and there. He's been, uh, yeah, awesome guy to talk to. Um, definitely, I want to scoop Evan into top eight for his uh, his offer, and um, I'm gonna scoop Celso into top eight because we're gonna go grab breakfast at Carl's. And, now, you've never been to Carl's, I'm sure, Jerry. No, have you been to... That's like ham and bacon heaven. I need to bring you to Annie's Clark Brunch, because that is my diner heaven in Worcester. Nothing... It's in Worcester? Oh, yeah. Nothing beats Annie's Annie's Clark Brunch. It is amazing. Oh, yeah? I think uh, I think I can uh, find you a couple of places that just might... Mm, but we'll I, see. I, I we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll, have to... we'll have a diner off. We'll have a diner off. It sounds good. It <laughs> sounds good. I'm up for that. So, yeah, so just scoop into top eight to Medina... And, uh, and Celso, and... Uh, I'm gonna scoop in the top. Evan? Yep, and also Annie's Clark Brunch. Uh, I don't think and Carl's has a scoop in the top eight now. What, what? No, Scar- Carl's has a shovel. It's not even a scoop. <laughs> yeah. the, you, the, the, the portions are ridiculous. Oh my, like, I, so at the GP, I went down there for breakfast before going to the GP, so I wasn't hungry during the day. And I'm like, yeah, let me have a ham, egg, and cheese sandwich. This thing was slabs of ham. And they had to like rubber band the container to keep it from opening. <laughs> Places, it's, it's absurd. It's so, it's so funny. Um, they, they actually make fun of, like, they make fun of themselves. They make fun of anybody. Anybody's really open. And, um, they just got new t-shirts. It's, it's Carl's, the birthplace of cholesterol. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's not for the meek of heart. Awesome. I'll, I'll schedule a double bypass surgery and we'll go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're gonna need to do that. Um, alright, so let's see. Anything else that anybody else that was scooping into top eight? I, I'm, there's like, there's really a bunch, but I like, you know, Lita's home now. I know you gotta go. I'm like running short on time. And I, people have, understand there. They'll get their due. It's, you know, we got plenty more episodes, people. <laughs> well, no, I'm gonna, I, I still, you know, shoot, it doesn't take me but fucking two seconds. I'm gonna shout out Kyle and I'm gonna shout out Braden Defoe. Cause, uh, you know, Braden was sharing some of the stuff on the recent, uh, he was posting up some recent thoughts on uh, the Facebook group. Also. Oh yeah, actually speaking of it, yeah, some of the spoilers. Definitely shout out. I mean, obviously shout out Kyle because he's pretty sweet, uh, but also Braden because he's like the most active member on Facebook, which is <laughs> so yeah. Listeners, if you weren't aware, we have a Facebook group. Uh, we like hanging out there, talking about stuff. So during the week, yep. if you just want to talk some legacy, hop on there. Open group, come check yeah, us I was, out. I still want to look it up on what that Scrick alarmist is. Cause that's because that's what he posted up, and uh, I, I I didn't know if it was a spoiler. I still haven't figured it out yet. You know what? I'm gonna send him a message to try to figure that out. <laughs> Good. Because uh, I guess at that, Jerry, uh, we'll call it a night. Yeah, call it a night. Hope you guys enjoyed it. See y'all next week. The tournament is over, and the store is closing. Feel free to see us during normal business hours by emailing the show at leavingalegacy 
mtg at gmail.com. You can also find the host on Twitter with Adrian at Mathema Trickster and Jerry at JMEE3RD. You can also join the Leaving a Legacy Facebook group to stay connected. It sounded like after you did the A-Team, I was listening to another cast where it sounded like you and a couple of guys were doing just a spiritual mm-hmm. podcast. I actually did catch that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, the, the Collective Blessing one. Yeah. yeah, that's what it was called. That's right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there was actually a cute title to it, too. Um, I thought that was a good cast. It really, uh, man, it was. It has such potential, but we just we only did one, and everybody loved it, whoever listened to it. Oh, and, yeah. It, it was definitely... Um, it was definitely, yeah, it was definitely strange, only that it didn't touch anything with magic. <laughs> like, uh-huh. yeah. and, and a lot of times when I listen to podcasts, that's really what I'll listen for, is just stuff with magic. Yeah, And, and yeah. it's kind of cool, like, I mean, usually I end up listening because it's uh, entertaining. Yeah, I mean, that that cast was intentionally not about magic. Um, we didn't, we weren't right. even, there was no magic content that we were planning on talking about. We really wanted to take members of the magic community and kind of uh get a little bit of their their ideas their religious ideas you know mm-hmm. and uh, and I think people find it interesting because um it's just it's something that we all live with right i mean you see somebody post something on facebook about homosexuality or about you know and and you know that a lot of times that's going to devolve into a religious debate, you know? And and so this stuff is stuff we're living with day in and day out. And so I think it's interesting to people to hear, uh, you know, intelligent, um, engaging conversation about these things, about religion and about the, the kind of things that are underneath, you know? Mm-hmm. And, well, and one of the things that I always, one of the things I always keep in mind, too, is, what is it, nothing can start an argument as quick as a discussion about religion or politics. Or politics, yeah. <laughs> like at the kitchen table especially. Um, yeah, it takes it's, it's, it takes an art to discuss those things and be able to make it feel good, you know. Yeah, um, it, it does. And it's, I think it's, it's tough. It, it, it and it takes an open mindedness too. You sure, know, like you can't. I mean, you, but you really can't have a discussion with anybody close minded about anything because they're close minded. It's not a discussion. It's usually yeah. a unilateral argument. But. Yeah, it's. I think I think more so than open minded and because I, I say this because. I'm probably not as open-minded as I'll come off, you know, um, because I have a, I have a, like a way, like I, I, I see something and I see it as true. Um, but I do, um, I guess what I want to say is that I, I take other people's opinion into consideration and, and I, I see them as a person. And so, so I don't just like, I don't want to try to convince you, and I'm not trying to beat you up. I, I'm interested to hear what you have to say, but you know, maybe what you have to say will have little effect on what I actually believe. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you briefly. My eyes feel puffy. Um, yeah. Yeah, I was at work today. There was um, kind of happened quick too. There was 
somewhere, I want to say around August, one of the guys I work with was diagnosed with esophageal cancer. Okay. And um, you know, he had like he had thought he had some sort of acid reflux going on or something. Oh wow, yeah. And he's um he was he's was 56. And he, and he was telling me, you know, if if I come back to work after this treatment, and I just kind of stopped in there. I'm like, if you say if again, I'll, I'll take you outside. You know, like this. Uh-huh. He was yeah. he was just this big teddy bear of a guy. And, yeah. Uh, and um, so he was he was diagnosed, and uh, he was telling me his father died of the same thing at the same age. And um, wow. So he passed away over the weekend, and uh, and at the same time, the owner of the shop I work at. Jeez, uh, he's like 96. <laughs> like, oh, wow. he's old. And he just, a couple of years ago, he just recently stopped skiing. Uh-huh. Which, at 94, shooting downhill is kind of, but, and he, he would come in and, and it was like, it, you know, he would have soiled sweater. Like, he'd be mm-hmm. wearing a sweater that looked like he woke up in the morning and kind of threw up on himself and just went throughout the day. Like yeah. He, so he was at an age where you could almost watch him decompose every day. Mm. And, mm. and they both passed over the weekend. And, um, wow. you know, the guy that owned the company, too, he's one of these, uh, they started the company in 1948. Um, yeah. And through a couple of the depressions, he's paid out of his own pocket to keep payroll going so that the guys had a place to go to work. Yeah. Like, just really. Wow. Yeah, what a, it's a. Yeah, it's a neat thing when somebody does that, you know, try to keep people, uh, their livelihood alive by sacrificing their own, uh, bank yeah. account. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, the thing with the other guy too, and, and there's a, like, there's a couple of guys that I know that listen that work in machine shops. And, uh-huh. uh, I work in a machine shop and, so, I mean, I'd kind of like to share this publicly. Anyway, my impression has been since I started working in a machine shop, I've mm-hmm. run across a lot of guys who are older, who are, I don't even know, how I'd put it, um, devout Christian maybe. Yeah. Like they're, they're very. Uh, I was talking to one of them today who's familiar with the Bible because I was telling them that. Um, you know, I was noticing the tweets the other day, and I'm like, I don't really understand why people quote verse at each other. You know, and, and uh, yeah, talk- I want to talk about that on the cast. <laughs> yeah. You know, let's yeah. keep that. Uh, I want to keep some good. You know, some goodies. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, and, and I don't know if that's. A, it seems to be a general thing across a lot of machine shops that there's a lot of devout Christians. And I don't know if it's just like, I mean, sometimes there's machine shop accidents that are just gruesome, mm-hmm. gruesome. And, um, so I don't know, I don't know where the, the old, the old school guys in the machine shops, um. I think that, I think that a lot of the old school guys, um, I think as you get older, you kind of, uh, you start, you start taking, you start first of all getting close to dying, you know? Yeah. And so you start you start taking stock of of what is important in life, uh-huh. and and I think that is what really starts to uh, draw people to uh, to God, because I think when you start thinking what is important, uh, you know, God is one of those things that that's that is you know if there's a God, then yeah, He's massively important, especially as you're starting to to round the band, you know. Mm-hmm. I think when you're younger, you kind of feel invincible and like. Yeah, you know, like you have all this time and like everything is disposable and, you know, this kind of idea. And so many things matter that really don't matter when you're younger. Um, and then I think as you get older, you start to see, man, these are the things that really matter. I think you've lost enough to understand that these are the things that matter. And then you start to see God as, as real, you know. Hmm. Um, and so I think that's part of what's going on there, you know. See, I know... Now I'm editing podcasts and recording, and 
I know the wife's had a rough day, and she's going to want a little hug when she gets home. <laughs> to um, me, I have a I have a GPS in my car, like, built in. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I was tripping out when you were like, yeah, I'll, I'll send you my this GPS. And I'm like, whoa, man, there's people who still have to, like, stick a GPS on the on the front of their... Oh, <laughs> like, yeah, hey, man, that's me. That's yeah, I know. me. <laughs> I know, man. Or you're talking about the, multi- the multiple thing in the cigarette lighter, you know? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, man, my iPod just plugs into my... my I mean, my iPod. Who uses an iPod anymore? My <laughs> iPhone just plugs into my car, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're so far behind. I had a chip implanted directly into my skull that just <laughs> me off my music. Dude, that's the mark of the beast, man. You can't do that. <laughs> 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 